21st century began, human evolution was at a turning point. Natural selection, the process by which the strongest, the smartest, the fastest reproduced in greater numbers than the rest, a process which had once favored the noblest traits of man, now began to favor different traits. Most science fiction of the day predicted a future that was more civilized and more intelligent. But as time went on, things seemed to be heading in the opposite direction, a dumbing down. How did this happen? Evolution does not necessarily reward intelligence. With no natural predators to thin the herd, it began to simply reward those who reproduced the most and left the intelligent to become an endangered species. And so it went for generations, although few, if any, seemed to notice. But in the year 2005, in a military base just outside of Washington, D.C., a simple army librarian was unknowingly about to change the entire course of human history. It's uh, 7 minutes and 18 seconds after the hour of 11 in this, the month of April of the year of our Lord, 2008. Thank you for coming by and making it part of your listening day. Live from the plushly appointed yet not overly ostentatious studios of AM 970 Solid State Radio, this, my friends, me amigos, me compadres, my fellow travelers on the road of whimsicality. This is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Thank you for coming by. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, 703-2970 if you'd like to be part of today's program. And why wouldn't you? Why would you not choose to engage with us in some sort of comedic fashion on this Thursday? It's 503-733-2970. Uh, uh, your comments, questions, clarifications, two cents, uh, conventions, what have ye. It's 503-733-2970. We are uh, here in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon. It is Thursday. Welcome to Day 12. If you would like to email us, you can do that as well. It's rick at rickemerson.com. Rick at RickEmerson.com, Sarah at 970.am, Tim at 970.am, or Richie with a T at 970.am. Uh, Richie Bristol, whose nose is even worse today, improbably. I sort of figured that by the end of yesterday he would have turned some sort of a, some sort of a corner with his uh, flaming proboscis. It is not to be the case. Uh, so today, his, he's like yesterday, he had burned his nose and it started to peel. And so I thought maybe the worst of it would be behind him. He's now, the worst of it is now neither behind him or in front of him. The worst of him is all around him. Uh, he is now in the thick of it. So we'll try to get another, we'll get an updated nose photograph later on today. Um, in any event, he is uh, standing by ready, willing, and able to uh, pass along your observations about the interesting, the groundbreaking, uh, the tedious, the mundane, somewhere in between, whatever. Uh, joining us later on today... Bob Costantini from The Hill. Uh, we'll also talk to CNN Radio correspondent James Roof, uh, who is joining us to talk about. It was. It seemed it was something interesting. What was it? Oh, it was the, it was the first TV rating, the first post writers uh, strike uh, sweeps week starts today. 
Uh, so I guess they're going to try to make up ground, which means that there's a new Lost tonight, is there not? Yes. Are you excited? Oh, boy, am I ever. You're going to sit and nerd out with a bunch of your Lost friends in front of the television? It's true. I'm really, really, really excited. And it's supposed to be a phenomenal episode tonight. Yes. It's supposed to, yeah, because it's like uh, the first of a five-part, you know, like, series of episodes. Excellent. So it's a, they're going to do five... So it's a five-week sweep coming up? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Uh, so we'll talk to Jim Roop about uh, television, uh, Bob Costantini uh, about the, uh, the, what, the primary race, which continues. I now say for the third day in a row today, Charlie Murphy, who was supposed to be here Tuesday, and who was supposed to be here yesterday. Now again today, you realize I've now spent more time uttering the phrase, today we'll be talking to Charlie Murphy, than I probably will spend actually talking to Charlie Murphy. So, again today, we will endeavor to talk to Eddie Murphy's brother. In any event, uh, Mr. Skin joining us today, uh, speaking of people who have been bumped recently, uh, also Dorothy Carcassari, uh from the National Enquirer. Uh, let's see what else is coming up. Uh, today's, uh, well, uh, again, we'll try the top five. There's no guarantee at this point that we'll get to that at all. Uh, so some top five sort of uh, stacking up. Uh, so we'll uh, try to get to that today. Uh, more about Rick Emerson Listener Party uh, 11, which is coming up Thursday, May 15th, uh, 8 p.m. at the Crystal Ballroom. That's on the way. Uh, Glorious Bastard of the Week that we'll announce. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? Oh, and we have to talk to Richie about this. This is one of those ideas... This is sort of the great and dangerous thing about having somebody around that will just sort of take whatever random nitwittery comes out of my head and just, just take it and make it reality. So I said just sort of offhandedly the other day, Tim was doing a cannibal watch, and there was some story, which I strongly suspect to be fabricated, about how uh, cannibals are trolling the MySpace and the Facebook and the whatever, looking for people to eat, and which we, which is a great story, and one that we didn't ever bother to check the provenance of. I mean, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care if it's real. That's where you find the yummiest people. <laughs> That's where you find the tenderest souls. Uh, and so this is like that thing about lightning yesterday. I don't really know what the truth of it is. We're going to take our version and just run with it. So we had some story about how cannibals are trolling MySpace. And that flashed us back to a few years ago when on Yahoo at one point, we, we, we had uh, some sort of brief online banter with a guy who lived in the Eugene or Bender someplace and who claimed that he was looking to be eaten, which is not like totally without precedent. So... I suggested that Richie ought to create a MySpace profile, or that we, the show, ought to create a MySpace. This is exactly this kind of thing CBS likes us to do, by the way. That we, the Rick Emerson program, ought to create a MySpace profile that presumably belonged to someone who was searching for a cannibal to eat him. And so I just sort of said it, and we all kind of chuckled about it. And, well, uh, that's certainly good for amusement. And then we moved on. But like an hour later, Richie had created said profile. So it does exist. So uh, we'll bring Richie in later to talk about A, the Cannibal MySpace profile, B, how to get that into the hands of cannibals, and C, uh, about more of his prospective Asian brides, who apparently will date guys who are filled with pus and who have damaged noses. So it's, you know, it's really a win-win for everybody today. Uh, all of that coming up, plus Tim Riley working on the following stories for your edification on this Thursday. A letter urging Lincoln High School parents to supply their kids with booze on prom night is fake. Sam Adams wants the South Island Bridge to be floated downtown and used as a pedestrian bridge over I-405. Rice is being rationed at two big stores. Could a shortage be underway? Arby's is buying Wendy's. Hillary raises $10 million in 24 hours. A boat powered by human fat attempts to achieve a new speed record. <laughs> Jello splatters all over a Florida highway. Piles of teeth are burying pawn shops as the race is on to cash in on gold filling. I don't know what any of this news means, but I like it. Betcha. You don't get that anywhere else. No, you don't. 
fantastic. Wonderful. I can hardly wait for everything to begin. Uh, all right, so uh, that, wait, there was, there was something there that triggered some other thought about a thing in my head. No. All right. Join the day, as always, by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon. Hello, and how are you today? Hi. I'm well. I, um, I had a fun night. I went over to Storm and Davies for dinner last yes. night. And uh, then we ended up watching The Bridge, which is the oh, most yeah. depressing yeah, movie what a, ever. What an opera that film is. Really, because Storm's like, hey, let's, we'll just have a couple bottles of wine, then we'll watch The Bridge, we'll watch which is all people film. jumping off the bridge and like seeing their mourning families and everything. We should say that The Bridge is a documentary about people who jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And it's it's an amazing film where they, they set up, over the course of a year, three cameras pointed at the bridge and just let them run for a year. And, and then it, they interview people like who have taken pictures with the person like standing on the edge of the bridge yeah, behind totally. them. And they'll interview the family. They're like, we had no idea that we were capturing the last moments like, of this person. Some line. grinning German tourist in the background. There's a guy one foot over the railing. I think I've seen it long enough ago that I've now got distance from it. I can I can joke about it now, Sarah. Man. No, it's a great And the point. guy at the end with the... It does the big swan dive, the yes. Jesus pose. Yeah. Dude. Well, but you see what I mean, though, about how in that movie there's that one woman they cut back to repeatedly who, I guess, they're trying to disguise her identity, but they really just do it by turning off the lamp. Yeah, the one who's, like, side profile. Yeah, but it's like they don't disguise her voice. You can totally see what she looks like. And you could tell how that guy asked her if he could come home with her that one night, and she's just like, oh, you know, I still needed his space, and then that was the night he goes and kills himself. Can I come over? No. And she's totally sitting there the entire time. You know, you can tell that she's, like, cracked out on something, and she's trying to justify it in her mind. I'm like, lady, you should have just, you know, been there for your friend. So you should write her a letter to that effect. You should write in her an email very pointedly telling her it's her fault, Sarah. I think she already knows. The, uh... That's a, it's a great movie, it really is, but it's, it's as I always say about things, see it on a strong day, because, not to, not to start the whole program off by dwelling on suicide, but, it, it, first of all, it's a kind of a beautiful film in a strange way, because they don't uh, sentimentalize anything. There's not a bunch of hippy trippy new age crap. It's just they talk to the family and the family goes, Well, in some cases the family says, Well, we knew he was depressed. Mm-hmm. In other cases it's like, Well, he just didn't come home one night. Uh, but the movie starts with just this long static shot of the Golden Gate. This is the worst possible way to begin this program. The movie <laughs> starts with this long static shot of the Golden Gate and the Bridge. And gentle music, like the dun, yeah, and it's dun, like piano music and yeah. everything's sort of happy. And it's just you know people walking by and children with balloons and dogs running around. And then you just see a guy jump off the side into the water, and you think, like, holy Christ, what am I watching? And then it's like, repeat for two hours. So, anyway. Do they play in the Myself, it's a wonderful world. <laughs> As a montage of jumpers is happening. No. At one point, though, there's a guy who, there's, you hear this, like, gentle harp music, and then you, you it's shot from far, because there's three cameras that this guy put all over. Uh, I cannot believe we're beginning the program in this way, but there's, it's a great movie, though. Uh, it was very interesting. Where there's this, this guy uh, put three cameras around the Golden Gate Bridge, which is legal, by the way, because it's a public place. Um, and he filmed it for a whole year. And at one point, you hear a voiceover like, and then one night, he just didn't come home, and we weren't quite sure what happened to him. And at that moment, you just see off in the distance, like, the white of the splash, like a... It was totally Cloverfield <laughs> splash. Totally, and you're like, oh, God. Oh, yeah, we had to rewind it a couple times, because I'm like, I think I just saw something fall off of there, and then yeah. you had to see the white splash. Yeah, Laura and I watched that at home one night. That was a that was a fun evening. All right. Well, in any event... Well, a couple bottles of wine helped it. <laughs> Do you remember why and you I called mean... me last night? 
Yeah, no, I remember, but it was something that I was going to ask you that in turn kind of has to do with the roast. I see. So that's why, like, we were talking about it, and then we had continued talking about it and kind of figured it out, so I didn't need to call you anymore. So we now have Storm. And then Storm's, like, blurting things out in the background. I'm just like, shut up. I kind of heard her, because, so I checked my phone last night. You had called. I called you back. You're at Storm's house. You couldn't, at the moment, quite remember why you called me, but in the background, Storm is shouting well, out I things did like, remember, and I'm is like, it about the song I'm going to sing? <laughs> and clearly shouting out a bunch of things, which I think I'm not supposed to know about. Yeah. Uh, that was it, and I'm just like, uh, and you call me, I'm like, oh, I don't really remember why, la, la, la. So she is on board for the roast, and did you guys uh, labor long and hard last night putting together pithy uh, one-liners and observations? No, we drank a lot of wine and watched the bridge. Excellent. Well done. All right, fantastic. So neither of us did any As more girls will do. <laughs> and then we did each other's hair. Um, do you, uh, you know and Davey was there hanging out, too. Of course he was. Well, you know why Davey's there. Um, so... <laughs> <laughs> because he's an attentive father and his child That's lives exactly. there. Exactly. His well, child wasn't there. Oh, yeah. well, you know why Davy was there then? <laughs> you know what I did last night, Sarah? I watched Paparazzi. Oh. This is the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. So thank you for lending this to me. You're welcome. I will now give this back to you so that it can re-enter the circle of life. So this is what I watched last night. Uh, Sarah it gives me this DVD, and I should say it's from CD Game Exchange. Now it's a terrible film, but the good thing is. A, it was entertaining just for that, and B, it was only $2.50. So, you know, so it, it this how? is one of the worst movies <laughs> I've ever seen in my life. And here's how they sucker you in. See the top? From producer Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson is in this movie, no lie, for two seconds. I mean, literally, he's sitting on a couch as the camera wheels by on the way to somewhere else, <laughs> and his name is, is in it as, like, produced by. Mel Gibson had no other involvement in this film. Um... So let me just read you the back blurb from the movie Paparazzi, starring Cole Hauser. I knew that that would be gold. From where do I know Cole Hauser, though? He's from Indies and Confused. Oh, that's why. Mm, okay. The paddle. You know what Cole Hauser looks like? Do you guys remember Alan Gabrowski? Sales guy upstairs? A red-headed Alan Gabrowski. If, he, if Alan Gabrowski was taller and thinner, he would be Cole Hauser. You just make a note to yourself about that. Action film superstar Bo Laramie which is Kohlhauser, has it all. A beautiful wife, an adoring son, and a Malibu beach house. Did you love how he called his wife, wife, and his son, son the entire time? Just totally. So you wouldn't get confused with their roles. <laughs> just like, son, come here, son. I do like the fact that they that they put his beautiful wife and his son right next to the Malibu beach house, as though they're all of equal value. <laughs> but his fame also makes him the target of story-seeking photographers who want to exploit his private life. Led by superstar photographer Rex Harper, Tom Sizemore, the paparazzi become increasingly relentless until one night, Bo and his family are blindsided and nearly killed by a quartet of sleazy shutterbugs. Sleazy shutterbugs has to be the greatest phrase ever. And when they continue to target his wife and child, the enraged superstar begins a rampage of vengeance. They should have just called the movie Rampage of Vengeance. It'd have been more interesting. It's got, uh, let me just read you the credits. Cole Hauser, Robin Tunney, who I guess is the wife. Yeah, she plays the wife. Dennis Farina, who's the detective, who's uh, who's great and terrible in that way that only he can be. Daniel Baldwin. Daniel Baldwin, who at this point isn't even acting. Daniel, what do you do? Well, I have uh, three days growth and I'm drunk. I mean, Daniel Baldwin really has just become that guy in every single film. Right, I need to give a... Can I give a spoiler about paparazzi? Because I want to ask you about a certain... For part. the many people that are going to watch right, the movie tune, Paparazzi. Got to tune out if you're going to watch this glorious piece of... This masterpiece. Um, that, The car accident, though, is pretty brutal, huh? I suppose. I just... I guess I was just... I guess I was just... It's not busy. up to your standards. <laughs> I mean, I was just too busy being distracted by the fact... It was so creepy. And they're, like, molesting her. She's laying there bleeding. I'm like, ew. I, I was just so busy being distracted by the fact that Daniel Baldwin was in this. And I wonder... And then I found out, do you ever do this when you watch a Baldwin brother? You sit there and you go, 
I wonder how much they all hate Alec. Like that's you wonder how much each of the Baldwin brothers hates the other Baldwins. Because let's rank now from the top down. Alec, obviously at the top. Uh, he's the top Baldwin brother. Would we all agree on that? Oh, absolutely. Yes, yes. I mean, 30 Rock, Glengarry, Glen Ross, you know, etc. The most talented of all, I would say. Uh, certainly. And he then, got to, you know, get, got to bang Kim Basinger when she was hot. Uh, then but, William. Now, who's William Baldwin? Billy Baldwin. Is that the guy from Sliver? Yes. Wait, hold on. And then there's Stephen, and then there's... Hold on. I Stephen write and this Daniel. Down. Alec. Alec. Stephen. Daniel. Billy. All right. So, are there any other Baldwins we're not... Any, are we missing a Baldwin anywhere? Okay, I think those are the four. So, Alec is number one. Steven, you'd say, is number two, or Billy? Billy Baldwin? I would say Billy Baldwin. What is the last thing Billy Baldwin did? You know what? I just saw him in something recently. No, you didn't. But it wasn't something recent, though. You mean you mean you saw him in Biodome recently? I remember or we is that were Stephen Baldwin? talking about Billy Baldwin the other day. God damn it, which one's in Biodome? Does anybody know? No. Billy Baldwin was in Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, okay. Billy Baldwin. Okay, so he's number two. Stephen Baldwin, who is in uh, uh, The Usual Suspects. Um, okay, so Stephen Baldwin, he is the third Baldwin brother, largely because of The Usual Suspects, and I think he was in something last year. Wasn't he in some Jesus thing last year? He did some God movie of some kind? Probably he's one of those Jesus guys. He is, because he wrote that book about... He wrote that book about uh, about his uh, his newfound Christianity called The Unusual Suspect. All right, and then Daniel Baldwin, who really was only famous because of homicide life on the street and is now in celebrity rehab. He's the fourth. So Daniel Baldwin, who's in this movie, <laughs> he's, he's the bottom. Part of the movie. He's like the lowest rung of Baldwin you could possibly get. So I'm sitting there watching uh, Daniel Baldwin the movie, just thinking to myself, I wonder what percentage of Daniel Baldwin's waking hours are consumed with hating the other Baldwins, especially Alec. And then think about this. Do you ever think about celebrity families and wonder if they all... Like sort of TV movie style, have big like Christmas reunions where they all get together at mom's house. Like, do do celebrity families get together at the holidays? And if so, how unbelievably awkward would that be at the Baldwin's house? <laughs> how um, is it that Stephen Baldwin has been in seventy-four movies? <laughs> how is that possible? That's a lie. It's, there are seventy-four <laughs> things. <laughs> really? Is that how, like how could he be so busy? And some of these are television <laughs> programs with multiple episodes. <laughs> that doesn't seem possible. Is that like how Charlie Murphy was allegedly in Malcolm X? Ugh. Seventy-four? Yeah, he's uh, uh, he has just completed the shark in Venice. Wait, he's he's completed the shark, which filmed in Venice, or he's filmed the shark in Venice, which is the name of the project. The shark in Venice is the project. All right. Well, that that sounds like another winner, Tim. This plot synopsis is empty. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to be the first to contribute an observation about the shark in Venice? Click here. Ah, uh, uh, anyway, so and then also Tom Sizemore. Oh, it's it's not even filmed in Venice. It's filmed in Bulgaria. That's a low budget Venice, if I've ever heard it. <laughs> We've never heard of him because he's been out of the country. Of course he has. He's filming in Bulgaria. <laughs> well, everyone is, Tim. Bulgaria is an exciting new hotbed for cinema. Mm -hmm. Oh, anyway, so Daniel Baldwin's in this, and then Tom Sizemore, who I just loathe. I just hate Tom Sizemore. He's so unlikable. He's just... Don't, doesn't Tom Sizemore seem like he is exactly the guy in real life that he is in all of his movies? Isn't he, though? I, I think he is. Wasn't... Now, Isn't I, he the wife beater? Well, no. Now, I mean, let's, not Let's just say we're trying to reconstruct from memory. It, was Tom Sizemore not busted for beating a woman? I may be wrong about that. That's how I remember him. Didn't he... Uh, and he was with... Uh, he was like a Heidi Fleiss guy, too, wasn't he? 
Yeah. Maybe I'm getting all of maybe I'm getting all of my hack actors confused. I'm pretty sure Tom Sizemore was busted for beating somebody. Sizemore, who had a, uh, who had long battled drug addiction, was convicted in 2003 of assault and battery against oh. his girlfriend Heidi Flight. I think the battle against drug addiction is over. By the way, I think the drugs won. <laughs> he was sentenced to 17 months in jail. All right. Anyway, so he's in this, and so the whole movie, I'm I'm just kind of rooting for him to get killed anyway, just because I don't like I'm not not Tom Sizemore. The whole movie, I'm rooting for his character to be killed because I don't really anyway. So it's a terrible film, paparazzi. Uh, tagline, it's time to settle the score. You can get this at CD Game Exchange for $2.50. So there you go. I do not regret that. I'm going to watch it again today. It's fantastic. Uh, and you know what I finally got? Um, so I am, and Tim's heard this from me a million times, I'm slowly working my way through that radio book. I'm about four-fifths of the way done. Oh, there's no hurry. I, I, didn't, well, I mean, I don't want you to think that I've forgotten about it. I am reading it. No, I, I, you should take your time and savor what I give you. I am. I'm, 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 by the time you get something from me, I am more than done with it. Excellent. So I'm reading it sort of one chapter at a time. Good. So I'm, right on, I'm, a, I'm in a chapter about uh, radio detective dramas right now, which is gripping. Uh, so that's good. But then Dave Zinn finally gave me the first Dexter novel uh, yesterday. So I'm going to begin reading the first Dexter novel. Uh, Dave Zinn is a strange person. Dave Zinn, really? You, you, can I just tell you this, that Dave Zinn, came by my office yesterday, A, to give me the first Dexter book, and B, to give me this, like, five-minute hard sell on how I ought to just stop shaving as of now. Because his whole thing is, Dave has this whole theory, because we are talking about me and how I hate to shave, and then Sarah was kind of pitching the idea of having me testing it out like a beta beard. Mm-hmm. Um, and Dave's theory is that in three weeks, your beard is going to be what it is. That in three weeks, you know. If you have a beard at three weeks, fine. If you don't have a beard at three weeks, you're not going to have a beard. So his whole thing is that I should just stop shaving as of, like, today and then in three weeks see where we are with that. And the thing about it is that would actually be before the listener party. So if it looked flat-out stupid, I would have time to get rid of it. Um, I did, I had a, we had a meeting to go to this morning, so I decided not to choose today to, to, to quit shaving. But Dave, is, Dave has really pushed me hard. <clears throat> On not shaving anymore as of today. Just shaving should, my neck. I, I agree with him. All right. Well, we'll do an Insta poll later on on whether I take. Because uh, today is what? Today's the 20th? 24th. All right. So we got like three and a half weeks of listener party. So I did, so I could give it three weeks. If it looks bad, I got time to get rid of it. I got time to, time to get rid of it and look presentable. That's exactly how you should look at it. Because right. it's not like you have to commit to it 100% yeah. for the listener party. That's what I'm saying. So if it looks good, I keep it. If not, I ditch it, and then I'm clean shorn once again uh, for listener party 11. So as of uh, so this is the last day I'm shaving. I'll just do my uh, my neckline and whatever as of uh, as of tomorrow. So, so no more shaving no. from now at this point on. No more shaving. Uh, all right. Or wire hangers. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, how's it going? What's up? Hey, I was calling in about the bridge. Uh, was that one of the more surreal things you've seen at the end when he gets a close-up and a... Jumps, just goes for it. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it's, I don't think it's a big spoiler to say that the people all jump off the bridge at the end. There's really no no happy. One ending. of them does live though. Oh, that's true. They interview the one kid who jumps off the bridge and somehow lived, and he's not maimed. Amazingly, um, yeah, no, it's it's a really I have to say it's a, it's a fantastic film because they don't sentimentalize it. They don't do a lot of he's in a better place now. They just do a very clinical examination of like here's a guy who jumped. Here's an interview with his friends and family. Blah, 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 blah. And they do that for about five or six or seven different people. It's a great movie, but it's yeah, you don't want to watch it when you're already... Like, don't watch it on the day you've been fired, for example. Uh, All right. Thank you, sir. <laughs> well, you gave him something to think about. Bye. Okay. 
Yeah, that close-up at the end, because you're watching that guy pace throughout the entire throughout the thing. Entire back and forth. That guy yeah. must have been up there all day. Yeah, it's. I think uh, uh, the, the city of San Francisco expressed some disappointment later. Uh, <laughs> that movie came out. They didn't really care for it. Because I guess when the guy filed his permit to mount all these cameras around the Golden Gate Bridge, you have to fill in, like, for what purpose are you filming the bridge? I mean, I think it's it's legal to film it, but to mount a camera, you need the city's permission. So he filled out these permits to mount the camera, and the city said, like, for what purpose will you be filming the Golden Gate Bridge for a year? And I think he did put something sort of weaselly, like, to film the intersection between man and nature. <laughs> Which, because, and his lo- his his justification was that he didn't want to let people know what he was doing because he didn't want attention seekers, like even more people, to come jump. Yeah, yeah. He's like, I didn't want people to know that they might get into a movie if they jumped. He's like, enough people jump off the bridge already, so I didn't want to draw more people by letting them know we were filming it. So, in any event. Uh, Let's do one more, and then we'll take a break. Come back with Bob Costantini. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Yeah, uh, one of those Baldwins, I don't know which one, (laughs) one one of the lesser ones, uh, was on uh, that uh, Trump's Apprentice show. Was that the season that had Gene Simmons? Uh, yeah. In fact, that, that's the one. It it just wrapped up or is just wrapping up. I, I don't know. I think don't... that was Stephen Baldwin. The yeah. Jesus one? And is I that, don't yeah, know. Is that, the, is that the Jesus Freak one, too? Yeah, he's a, yes, he's a it, man of it, the Lord. I think it, it was Stephen Baldwin. It is Baldwin. so hard to tell the difference between those idiots. Well, here's the thing. Alec, uh, here's, the thing. here's how you can tell the Baldwins apart. Uh, Daniel. Oh, Alec is easy. Daniel, fat, unshaven. <laughs> Alec, ah. uh, Alec, you can tell him. He can. You can tell him apart because he'll be in something new that's actually on television. Um, Billy. Well, I don't know how to tell Billy and Stephen apart because they really look more like each other than any of the other Baldwins. All right, I think we have to end the Baldwin talk now. Otherwise, it's <laughs> it's just silly, sir. All right, thank yeah, you. They are. <laughs> thank you, my friend. Bye now. Yeah, uh, that was the. I think that was the season of Celebrity Apprentice that had Gene Simmons because I did watch a little bit of that for the Gene Simmons factor. All right. Um, finally, speaking of people you can't tell apart, I have this question about Popeye, um, <laughs> and I don't. That's a strangely worded phrase. No, it'll make sense when I read the whole thing, but I don't think we have time to do it now. I think we have to wait. So just know that there's a Popeye question coming up. That'll, that'll build the TSL. Uh, okay, so Tim Riley on the way with the Ministry of Truth. Bob Costantini on the way. Jim Roop on the way. And more. Stay there. It's the Rick. Okay, I have to read this email. This says Rick. And we'll get to Bob Costantini in like five seconds. Rick, your live stream is warping the space-time continuum. It says, Rick, I ran out of current stuff to listen to. This is from earlier this morning before our fine program uh, began today. I ran out of current stuff to listen to, so I just loaded up the live stream site this morning. A few minutes ago, around 9.35 Pacific Time, during the replay of a previous show, you broke in to announce that the recap that was playing was the wrong recap and that you would start the right recap in a moment, which was a recording of the recap from a previous day that I was listening to on a best up on the live stream. Then my head exploded. All right, there you go. 503-733-2970. Science, technology, and Bob! From the Hill, CNN Radio correspondent Bob Costantini and which, which is wow. I'm sorry. Which is more important for the advancement of man? I'm which. What are, what are my choices? Here, Bob Costantini. Oh well, I think we all know the answer to that, Bob. I mean, let's let's not delude ourselves about your about about your your vast importance, which shakes nations to their cores. Yes. Absolutely. Bob, sometimes I feel like 
I sometimes I feel like uh, uh, like you do not appreciate uh, y- your towering presence uh, on the Rick Emerson show and in the world at large. I, well, I, I certainly appreciate all your wonderful introductions. Really, it's it's lots of fun too. Well, okay. I, I, I appreciate. The... <laughs> I was just trying to insert an awkward pause there for comedy. Um, I'll let others decide uh, my importance in the world, please. <laughs> so, w- when is it? I don't have my calendar in front of me. When is Indiana? When is Indiana? When is North Carolina? They're on the same day, are they? May sixth. Yes. Are they both? Is it the same day for both, both of us? Yes, both May sixth. And, um, and so, and when, uh, like, when Pennsylvania ended, like I remember watching Obama on uh, on Tuesday night, and he he was already in Indiana, was he not? Yes, that's okay. correct. He he didn't expect to win Pennsylvania, and uh, sort of uh, you know <laughs> decided, well, let's let's move on to Indiana, which is a state that might end up uh, being relatively close for the Democrats. So where is uh, I guess you guys talk about the poll of polls or the sort of uh, an aggregation of polls or whatever, but where is the conventional wisdom uh, or the polling right now on Hillary Obama in Indiana, North Carolina? Indiana is going to be close, it seems, uh, Rick. Uh, the um, the polling, of course, is relatively uh, early there at this point, um, but uh, North Carolina is expected to be solidly in Barack Obama's column because um, it is a state with a high uh, black voter uh, population in terms of Democrats. Uh, neither one of these states, um, well, perhaps Indiana might be in play, uh, but North Carolina is definitely not the kind of state that a Democrat is going to win in a general election, more than likely. So, um, you know, Hillary Clinton's uh, claim that she won Pennsylvania and therefore, you know, has more electability nationwide, um, well, that, uh, that may not necessarily hold water if she wins Indiana and uh, if, as expected, she would lose uh, North Carolina, that's for sure. Uh, it's interesting. I think it was in North Carolina I saw yesterday some of the, the, the... – is it the state Republican Party in, in North Carolina? They are running these ads, and I guess it's for the senatorial races. But the, it's, it's, a, it's proof of how uh, seriously the GOP is taking Obama, that the GOP in North Carolina is running these ads for uh, about the senatorial race in which they are referencing Obama and Jeremiah Wright. Yes, they are trying to associate uh, local candidates there in North Carolina with Obama and... Um, Indirectly, of course, or relatively directly, I should say, uh, with Reverend Wright's comments about the United States, uh, that they are played over in uh, in that ad, and then it talks about the other candidates. So and so is a friend of Barack Obama's. So it's an association. It's killed by association, by association, by association for the uh, uh, Republican Party in North Carolina. John McCain, no less, has asked them to stop running that ad. It's interesting that I was talking to uh, somebody about this last night, and when I say talking, I mean I was lecturing somebody via email. Uh, so, but somebody was talking about uh, about the race, and I, I noted that uh, Woody Allen had this this something he said a few years ago to the effect that ninety percent of success is sort of just showing up. Showing up, um, yeah. and. It, it, I think that that really does seem to be the lesson that everybody can draw from this year. That obviously the reason that that Hillary is running is a she just just seems she does seem like some sort of politobot that doesn't really have an outside life. She sort of does seem to exist only to run for things, not unlike Nixon uh, did. And also, clearly, the Clinton campaign is just banking on the fact that time is on their side in the sense that. The longer they stay in, the more the halo somehow gets polished off of Obama or that, that there's a gaffe or that something happens or that there is some sort of uh, incident. Is that not the sort of uh, prevailing sentiment? 
Well, there was a belief, uh, certainly in the Clinton campaign, that Obama was uh, being handled with kid gloves, by and large, uh, with the press. Um, of course, that translated itself into a, uh, a Saturday Night Live skit that, in effect, and truthfully, this was just after the writer's strike had ended, in effect, did cause a greater um, spotlight to be focused on Obama by the press, uh, members of the press, uh, here in Washington, we're a bit embarrassed that uh, it was perceived out there in the country that they were, you know, Obama, Obama maniacs. <laughs> so, and, of course, that, that particular skit highlighted several people from CNN, no less. Um, but, uh, you know, so there was a greater focus on Obama and this uh, perception that the press had gone lightly on him. And, uh, you know, that's that's what the Clinton people um, had kind of hoped for, if you will, and uh, helped uh, you know believe that maybe this is helping turn around some of this, uh, some of the lead that he had. As we begin to wrap this up, Bob, my question for you is: Do you have a favorite Baldwin brother? Uh, no. <laughs> oh, well, Alec. Yeah. Okay. See, there you go. See, no. If he's, he's on Thirty Rock, which I love. Yes. Yeah, you know, if you'd said no one, then I would have questioned uh, your status as an American, my friend, because everyone yeah. has a favorite Baldwin brother. I'm glad to hear you say it, Alec. Good for you, Bob Costantini. <laughs> All right, are you on? Uh, are you on tomorrow? Uh, no, um, I think you're uh, uh, you're without tomorrow. You mean without in general, or without, without you? Without someone from Washington. Let's put it that way. Is that true? Am I? Are we? I will be yeah. bereft of uh, correspondence from Washington. Uh, that's correct. Yes, Lisa well, is still off recuperating from Pennsylvania, and uh, I am. Uh, Friday's my day off. Well. I'll have to I'll have to power through somehow, Bob. I, I hope that you will, Rick, and, and we know that you will because you have many other fine CNN correspondents to uh, with whom to deal. All right, thank you, my friend, and thank you for not entering ending the sentence with a preposition just there. That's uh, the way I try to do it. Thank you, sir. All right, there you go, Bob Costantini, ladies and gentlemen from the Hill. Excellent, fantastic, wonderful. Sorry, yeah, I couldn't remember if it was Lisa or Bob. That's why I'm mouthing to him, like, Lisa, Bob. Yeah, no, I, I I actually spaced for a second. I had to look at the prep sheet. All, uh, I do believe, Richie, are we, uh, well, let me just, uh, before. No. We, what? I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Richie, if you could join us in the studio, please. Okay, he's here. You can stop playing now. Uh, Hello, Richie. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? I'm dandy. Uh, how's your nose? Boy, it looks worse today. It looks even worse than it did an hour ago. It's like peeling and Yeah, stuff. this is no good. It really does look like a bad sunburn, but just on the underside of your nose. Great. All right. Well... You know, we were going to be doing uh, we were going to be doing some staff photos on Friday, uh, but no. But the good news is, I think those are going to be delayed uh, uh, because we weren't able to make everybody's schedules work. So yeah, there, there will not be a picture taken this Friday. So you get to. Uh... Well, I got to be careful then. <laughs> yeah, try not to damage yourself in any. Can yeah. I really? I'm just looking out for your best interest here. You might want to avoid injuring your face in any other way, like between now and you know, I don't know, May 16th. Okay. Just you know. Just FYI. Words of the wise. Um, <laughs> hey, are we talking to Mr. Scan at 11.50? Uh, I think it's 12 on the dot. He's on the radio show. Uh, uh, that, uh, that's unfortunate. Can we get him any other time? Because 12 on the dot, unfortunately, is not going to work. I, I we, we may just have to just pull the ripcord on it uh, this week then. I, I mean, I know that he wasn't. He had some problem with his car this mm -hmm. week. And unfortunately, 12 kind of gets in the way of Tim's news. So that's, that's unfortunately not going to work. Um, if... If uh, if the only time he can do it is twelve, would you let him know that uh, we you know we always of course value his input and the, the blah blah blah. 
Okay. All, the, all the things you know to say to people I, that we're about and to blah, 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 And by blah. the way, and we're bumping you. So all the things you know to say to people that do, who are not going to get on. Um, but let them know that we'll we'll try to pick it up next week. Okay. Uh, we have Dorothy Carcassari today, do we not? Yes. Okay. 135. That's a busy day. We have Dorothy Carcassari. We have Jim Roop coming up then at like 1... Man, 140. Well, I'll have to be quick with Dorothy then. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Too. No, no, don't say Eddie Murphy. Oh, Richie's on my team. Now, see, so you do that. You can put it in my head. Charlie Murphy, and then we have... Dennis popping in later. Um, all right. Okay. James is coming into the top five, I think, today. All right. It's all very exciting. Um, uh, what else was I going to ask you? Uh, your horrific nose. And then, oh, uh, so how go are the Asian ladies? Somebody wanted to know if you had uh, more. Oh, uh, I was on last night till 2 in the morning, and I aiming back and forth and stuff. Really? Yeah. And uh, Hold on. Let me pull up my chair. I met a webcam girl. And I met <laughs> She's just a webcam girl. I that's her name. That's her right. world. That's <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> well, I figure out she's one of those webcam girls that tries to get your crick, you know, get on this site and. Well, wait. Now she wasn't through through Stu, was she? It was. Well, they sometimes they come through, but they he shows you what to look for. Oh, so he okay. So that's part of the thing. So he tells you the sort of the, the signs to look out for if you find a girl who maybe is wanting wanting more than you're prepared to give. Yeah, this one was unbelievably hot, but she was really mean. Like I'm looking for somebody <laughs> honest and trustworthy. But she was really mean. No, she's really nice. Oh, really, I think that but she you was said really mean. mean. Oh, no, I don't know. You, you really just, just said, said you mean. just said that. You said she was hot. Maybe you're projecting. Is this how oh. you normally have to phrase it with women? She was hot but mean to me. Well, so well, mean because she was a webcam girl trying to get me to. But but the thing, but part of the program is the way he tells you how to spot girls who are yeah. you know whatever. And so so but I I reeled her in. I made her believe all the way. To you the reeled point. her in. Oh yeah, and I gave her a fake because you have to go to this one website, get a membership, and pay a credit card and all this stuff. And then I just looked on online and gave her a fake uh, member number and stuff. And she's trying to link it and it wasn't working. And Wait, so a girl? Let me understand. Well, this. A... <laughs> so you're online last night. There's some girl uh, who wants to webcam with you. She's hot, but it, at some point she's trying to scam you. So you scam her back. Yeah. Okay. That's right off the good. bat, I figured it out. But I just because she on... was. Did you, now let me ask you this: Were you just because it was a hot girl? Did you do the thing, the guy thing of like, this is a hot girl who wants to talk to me. What's wrong with this picture? And then he, something might be wrong with it. Yeah, she was unbelievably. Oh my gosh. So you talked to a girl who was hot and nice. Yeah, she and you was were lying then, to her. But then at some point you figured out that she was trying to scam you because I guess he'd given you. So part of the program is he'd given you tips on how to spot girls who maybe wanted yeah, something not and on the other. And her membership up. was pulled. Oh, and then they get he got her kicked off. Okay, so uh -huh. it's so now. Uh, and then in the realm of, like, actual girl submissions. Mm -hmm. So were you just up till 2 in the morning talking to this one girl? No, there was, like... How many hours a night now would you say you're spending online talking to various prospective Asian brides? Oh, I don't know. So when you're talking to one of them, does another one pop up and... Uh, yeah, And yeah. then you get to pick, do they fight? Is it, like... No, well, I'm dumb because I took off the pop-up blocker on my on that site because I kept on getting them and it was messing my computer up. So I took off the pop-up, the blocker or whatever, yeah. pop-up blocker. blocker. And uh, so they all pop up. Pop so I, got these. <laughs> I was get, kept getting pop blocked. Anyway, anyway, so they pop up without me having to say yes. And all these really scary looking women were popping up. And I felt bad. Because <laughs> That's kind of crazy. All these like crazy, creepy heads. Talk to me. Hello. <laughs> they pop up. And the first thing I do is I go, okay. I want to be your wife. <laughs> before I even say hi, I go look at their profile and like, okay, you got kids. Nope, close. Uh, <laughs> no. So what? Are, so on the profile, they fill out uh, their kids, their age, education, if, uh, their, their level, level of, of attractiveness. Level of attractiveness. Uh, do you find that the girls are uh, honest about how attractive they are? Do you have to go to the picture? Do you have to go? Do you have to go to the replay sometimes? 
Uh, they seem pretty honest because not very many of them seem very attractive. Like, <laughs> so you find that the girls who are just cute or who are attractive but not stunning, they're pretty. You're, it meshes with their description. Yeah, they say attractive, right. but they don't say very. Attractive. I'm gonna say there were some really hot girls that you brought in on that one. Now, have you pursued any of the girls on that uh, sheet that you brought in that Sarah put on her uh, blog? Uh, or are you just letting them? Are you letting them twist a little bit? No, they're interested in me. They got mental issues. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be a member of any club that'll take you. Way to go, Richie. <laughs> Richie, so did you see any of them with, like, their still pictures, and then you saw their talking faces, and you realized that they were just doing it at a good angle? And yeah, there's some. <laughs> that... Photo girl with the cameras on the ceiling, and they're looking up. Yeah, they have, like, an incredible headshot, and then you go in, and it's like, whoa, that's a different angle, and it looks totally different. Now, have you now have you had, like, a, have any other girls gone on, like, a webcam with you? Uh, I did one. It was a one-way webcam where she could see me, but I couldn't see her. But I mean, oh, that's kind of <laughs> that's, that's gonna be awkward. It should be the other way. What around. do you talk about with somebody until two o'clock? I'm like, what are you chatting about? Uh, they're asking. Is him. it like sexy time? <laughs> no, you don't get. That's like stage three or four or something. <laughs> I'm first, sorry, I don't know. I uh, like. Do you talk about like? Do you like dogs or cats? No, I try to stay not. I I don't know how to explain it. I don't want to get too in depth. There's so many of them you don't want to get in depth. You can pretty much narrow them out. Like, oh. Okay. So, do you talk to how many girls would you say that you have had uh, instant message conversations with in the last three days? Oh, I mean, of any length, even if it's just to say like hi, bye. I don't know, twenty plus. So, and it's and do you have any of them really struck your fancy? The webcam girl. <laughs> do you kind of do you kind of suss out like sort of right away how interested you are just by the first few lines of conversation? Yeah. Well, one they if they speak. Or write great English. It's bit, I like that. It's, if they write great English, if, if they, they write, speak write great English, if they ooga ooga. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll revisit this later on. Thanks so much, Richie Bristol, ladies and gentlemen. Cowabunga. All class. <laughs> okay. Jesus. All right. Five zero three seven three three two nine seventy. It is the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Tim Riley, have you news for us? Oh yes. Excellent. All right. We'll be back after this. Don't go anywhere. Sir Rick Emerson Radio program still to come uh jim roop top five and uh other things of that nature stay there it's the rick emerson show Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. I love the idea that Richie's up to his eyeballs in Asian women. To the point that he actually just has to turn off his computer at 2 a.m. Because, because there's just too many women wanting to talk to him. Don't you get that image, like that episode of uh, South Park where Cartman was online IMing and there's just the windows opening everywhere? Hello, would you like to be my special friend? That's exactly what I just see Asian ladies' heads. Hello, hi, 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 hello, hi. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. It's 503-733-2970. It's a brief observation. This is about Rhett Richie's sounder. Although Richie's new sounder is probably the grossest, most disturbing thing I've ever heard, there's a couple reasons why it's also genius. Aaron created that, by the way. It says, number one, the various, you know, moanings and groanings allow you to hit several posts while calling Richie into the room. That is true. Two, Richie intones his noises in the same, in the same voice as the guy from The Silence of the Lambs. 
I keep expecting Richie to say, was she marrying that girl or it puts the lotion in the basket? <laughs> Long story short, Richie's sounder makes my skin crawl, but both in a good and bad way. Kudos to Aaron for making it. It may be Aaron's greatest creation to date. At the Ministry of Truth, your personal savior. It's time for the Rick Emerson Noon News Hour from AM 970 Solid State Radio. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. All kids do the darndest things. A bogus letter urging parents of Lincoln High School kids to supply the youngsters with alcohol on prom night and to open their homes for sex and alcohol and drug use <laughs> was sent to families this week. Uh, so here's a part of it. Dear Lincoln families, prom night is around the corner. Our juniors and seniors will be celebrating the closing of the school year. It has come to our attention, as staff and administrators at Lincoln High School, that abstinence-only education is not effective. Instead of enforcing policy that, that does not work, we have decided to implement a more religious, uh, realistic approach to the situation. Uh, before you send your sons and daughters to the dance this April, we would like you to understand that there will be individuals who will be providing alcohol, access, and drugs. We do not condone this conduct, but we understand we cannot stop it. With that said, please don't keep your children from attending prom this year. Instead, talk to them about the possibility of them participating in that said behavior and considering opening your home as a safe, secure place for students to have fun after the dance. If you provide the alcohol, you have the peace of mind knowing that they will not acquire it illegally. (laughs) Peace of mind. Uh Uh-huh. The Oregon Alcohol Control Commission has stated that a fifth of alcohol, like Hennessy Cognac, is sufficient supply for at least eight adults. One can assume that for a 17- or 18-year-old, one-fifth can probably be spread out to four students. How would they calculate that? Considering our reputation, drinking Lincoln, in some cases, only a fifth is necessary. Okay, by the way, just before we proceed, here's the great thing about this email, is how... There's a letter sent to Paris. <laughs> How the first from Portland Public School. <laughs> considering our reputation, drinking Lincoln. The, the <laughs> Do they have a mascot? Is it just? Is the mascot just like a guy standing on a corner with Lincoln a with a with a bottle of Hennessy? <laughs> Uh, I want somebody to create Abraham Lincoln with a bottle of Hennessy. Uh, the best part about this letter is how it starts for the first few sentences as being almost believable. But then it deviates into it deviates into the idea that you ought to be buying your kids not just alcohol, but specifically a fifth of Hennessy. So we continue. According to recent government research... Substance abuse leads to increased chance of sexual activity. To adapt to this news, we have also decided to include a condom with this letter. Once more, although we do not support the participation in sexual intercourse by our students, we want them to be safe. The condom included will provide at least some security to our students and to you. And it's lubricated. Whether or not this behavior is appropriate, it'll be a relief knowing that the chance for our students becoming pregnant or contracting venereal disease has been decreased. Uh... FDC epidemics will spread through our high school communities, and we want to prevent such an outbreak as best we can. <laughs> we hope that your students have a wonderful prom. <laughs> what with all the your, drinking and humping. Enjoy themselves thoroughly. <laughs> we would like to continue the tradition of linking, working hard, but playing hard as well. <laughs> After a stressful year of school, this is an opportunity for our students to relax, have fun, and prepare themselves for what life is going to be like in college. Thank you very much to the freaking and screwing faculty. 
<laughs> but to prepare themselves for what life is going to be like in college. <laughs> well, you are speaking honestly, Tim. So who Over is... at Drinking Lincoln. <laughs> How is it signed? It is signed. The Lincoln High School Faculty and Administration, and they use the uh, Portland Public School logo. Oh, that is fantastic. And Lincoln High School with the address. Now, was this emailed or physically uh, mailed? Uh, this was physically mailed, apparently. The was parents. there an actual condom included with the letter? Yes, there was. Oh, that is so righteous. It is unclear how many parents received this letter and how the student or students behind it got access to parents' names and addresses. So let me just, in for Portland Public let me just tell you right now, I salute whoever did this. Yes. Whoever did this, that, hail I, to you, proud citizen. I bet it's so worth them, too, to buy all those condoms and stamps. It's like... Dude, that's that's a that, I mean, that really is a fantastic prank. Well done. Well done. It is the best prank of the school year. I want to salute uh, the student or students uh, responsible for this. That really is That really is very well executed. May I see that letter for a moment? It's terrific. That is... You know what? That should get somebody a scholarship to an Ivy League college. Really? I, I mean, I almost want to offer whoever this is, whoever this did this an internship. Mm -hmm. So they got the logo Maybe at the top. Maybe Richie. The uh, formatting's a little off, but you know what? In high school, things are sometimes done with a slapdash anyway. But that's great, really. I mean, the things the if computer you provide technology... The alcohol, <laughs> if you provide the alcohol, you can have the peace of mind knowing that they did not acquire it illegally. The Oregon Liquor Control Commission has stated that a fifth of alcohol like Hennessy Cognac, for example, is sufficient supply for at least eight adults. One can assume that for a 17 to 18-year-old individual, one-fifth can probably be spread out to four students. So I love the idea that not only are the students drinking, but they drink twice of what any grown man would. Considering her reputation as drinking Lincoln, in some cases, one-fifth is only enough for a single person. <laughs> Oh, I'm so glad I'm not a parent because I can find things like this hilarious. Oh, man. I think that is the best school prank I've read about in quite some time. The condom enclosed with this letter will provide at least some security to our students. Please give this rubber to your son or daughter. Oh, man. That is really, really great. We would like to continue the tradition of Lincoln working hard, but playing hard as well. <laughs> Thank you very much, exclamation mark. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, that is so great. Excellent. And you know what? They get, uh, whoever did this, uh, I am, a, I am a, a long time fan of and believer in uh, pranking at your school or college or business place. Let me just say that... This is so well written, too. And, and it gets extra points for being physically mailed out with the rubber enclosed. I mean, anybody could just email some crap out. I mean, emailing a prank letter or just making some fake thing that circulates the Internet, I mean, that's that's so much less impressive because it's, e it's, it's so easy to do. Anybody can do it. This actually takes a little bit of wherewithal to how many parents and families did this go? Do we know? We, we don't know yet. All right. They want all the parents to come forward. And uh, contact the Portland School. If you've received, okay, please now, if you are, uh, I am now speaking to the parents of or students at Le Drinkin' Lincoln High. <laughs> so they posted a letter on the school website telling parents the original letter oh. well, apparently was a student prank. Apparently. Apparently. They're, just, they're not quite sure. <laughs> that Hennessy may, in fact, be advisable for students. They're still looking into it. What is the, what do you suppose is the website for the school? Let me so look. Lincoln High School Lincoln of Portland, High, Oregon. Portland. Uh, I'm speaking now to parents uh, of students at and students at uh, Lincoln High School. If you've got a copy of this, you have to call and tell us. It's 503-733-2970. Uh, so we have Lincoln High School. I found it easily here. 503. Is it, 
Is it coming up with amazing ease on Google recently? Let's see. 503-733-2970. Let's see here. I'm going to look at their Wikipedia entry and see if the Wikipedia entry mentions... Spring play and love song. I think there's enough spring play going on already, Tim. It's Earth Week in Lincoln. Uh Uh-huh. Let's Let's see here. Um... Latest spirit newsletter. According to Lincoln High Principal Peter Hamilton, it's a classic college preparatory school, or preparatory school, which the letter does reference, actually. Uh, let's see. All right. Did you know who... Do Okay, I'm just looking at notable alumni. Did you... Tim, guess who went to Lincoln High School? Stephen Baldwin. No. No. <laughs> Mel Blank. Oh, yeah, yeah. He started off in radio here. I have no idea. Yeah. What did he work at? A, what, what station did he work at? Did it do anything that's around now? Probably. Um, I think he was at KEX. I'm not sure. There's no... um, If Craig's listening, he could tell us. I'm trying to see if there's anybody else. Where did Bill Blank work, please? Elliot Smith (laughs) went there as well. Elliot Smith went there. Peter Jacobson, the golfer. Matt Groening went there. Mel Blank. Is this like some secret rich kid school that I'm not... Well, it's over I would not have been allowed to go to. It's on the west side, almost. Where is it at? Oh, is it over on... It's, it's over by KGW. Is it over right? by the DQ? It's it's over by Kink. Oh, okay. Well, that can I give you a general no, idea. That Things are always better on that side of town it's, for it's, everyone involved. It's over on Planet Kink. Mm-hmm. All right. No, that does sort of explain everything. Right, I'm going to the school's website here. Drinking Lincoln. Um, let's see. And this is, as I said earlier, this is so much more impressive than like hacking the school website or something. Mm-hmm. Because or letting a donkey loose in the hallway. <laughs> Don't you feel like? Did you do that at your school? No, we never did anything. Did you do any kind of prank at your high school? The only prank I remember is one day you one day you had your I, hair I, ever I, so slightly tousled when you went to school. No, I didn't do it myself. Oh. But uh one of our teachers always told stories about when he was in the navy, so one of the kids dressed up like the teacher, including the mustache and the <laughs> sailor suit. He was promptly booted out of the room. Really? Is that true? Oh, he yeah. was a private school, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't tell her anything guff at a private no, school. No, no. Um, Sarah, school prank, high school? No, I'm trying to think of one. And we just had, we had our senior skip day. That's it. Yeah. Um, the, uh... We were busy applying for college all the time. Busy being productive. Yes. We weren't busy applying for anything in Kennewick. In Kennewick, we were just busying ourselves for death after a long, tedious life. After a tedious, unproductive existence. Picking radioactive potatoes. (laughs) Just sitting to take in the grit out of our teeth. (laughs) Preparing for cancer. Um, at, uh, at my high school... Couple things. I, I actually wasn't responsible uh, for the thing I'm about to say, but this wasn't even so much a prank as it was. I say now that it's a prank, but really it was just it was just hooliganism. Uh, I know that when we got ready to graduate, somebody stole. It's one of those things when you're a teenager where you will engage in some sort of petty vandalism or theft or whatever. And I really mean this sincerely when I say that you're not you, that you're not even really. Being malicious, you're not even really a bad kid. Sometimes when you are a kid or a teenager, and I know I sound like an old guy, but when you're a kid or a teenager, you just, you really just have no follow through in your thought process. Why you do, I remember when I went to high school, you know what I did when I was in high school? Uh, I went through this phase where I had like a little, um, a little screwdriver that was, because I was a nerd, on my keychain, because it would like, cause my glasses, there was this screw in my glasses. The nerddom continues. That would always come loose, so I carried a little screwdriver to fix my glasses. Blah 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 blah. And I went through this phase where, when nobody was looking, I would just take I would just take the screwdriver and I would just take screws like out of things, pencil sharpener, desk, electrical outlet. And at one point, I had a bag of like 500 screws that I had taken from various places around the school, which I realize now makes me sound insane and kind of OCD. 
Uh, I think I that sounds kind of fun. I don't know why I did that. My dad found it. My dad was not happy about that. Where do these screws come from? Nowhere. Um, that guy gave them to me. That was always your excuse to in school. Where'd you get that guy gave it to me? You know, where'd you get that beer? I don't know. Some guy. <laughs> um, my friend, uh, I guess I can give her a name. My friend Lee. My friend Lee had this thing where she would uh, steal the outside of a pencil sharpener. Like that little uh, oval thing that went over the top that collected the shavings. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the still you could still work and would just shave right onto the floor. And she had at one point, like in, in her duffel bag, she had like 40 or 50 things like from the outside of a... Why? For what possible reason? I mean, I'm, I'm not going to say it was a good thing to do, but I, I don't think there was any malice. You, you just did crap. I think because when you're a teenager, you're just clinically insane most of the time. And so all teenagers, I do believe, are some variation on psychopaths. I mean, either criminally, alcoholically, sexually, athletically, doesn't matter. You find some bizarre, insane outlet for all of the madness going on in your head. And so when I was a high school uh, senior, some guys that I knew just stole all of the caps and gowns for the graduation. Like, for no reason. And they were all going to graduate, too. It's not like they were like F-ups who weren't going to graduate, and like this was their way to get back at the man. Like, they just stole all the caps and gowns because they saw them sitting unattended one day. What are those? Caps and gowns. No one's around. Let's put them in the trunk of my car. And just drove off with them for reasons that now sort of pass understanding. Um, the only thing I ever did that was close to that, and it's not even really a prank, is that some friends and I did like a like a uh, like an underground newspaper, uh, which is like a it was uh, sort of like half like like slander, like half libel and half well it was all libel probably just like half libel and half bad jokes uh, that I would type out, uh, and I thought I was being especially like edgy because I typed it. This is in the days before like PageMaker and and uh, Word and all of that. Um, I thought I was being especially like scurrilous because I would type it out like on the school typewriter that you would get time on in the library. So I was using the school's own resources to stick it to them. So I would type out the school newspaper, this underground newspaper, and this friend of mine who worked at the vocational center in the print shop would print it, and then we would distribute it, and it would say stuff like, "Have you ever noticed that it looks like the vice principal wears a toupee?" Ah ha ha! And was it true? No, I think it was true, but I mean, it was just—it was terrible. It's just like the worst thing you've ever read. But that was the only thing we ever did. We never did anything. And before we move on from this, let me just say: Would you also agree? Um, would you also agree that things have sort of reversed in the sense that in the 1980s, a prank like this would have been okay, but like hacking the school computer would have been much more impressive. It's now the opposite. Doing some sort of a school prank on the internet or online now carries almost no weight with it because anybody could do it. Really, obtaining the mailing list of the parents, getting getting the letterhead, getting getting hundreds of copies of the letter made, and then uh, how did they even like who who paid for the postage? From where were they mailed? Would be my other question. I mean, were these somehow? My question: Were these somehow like in a school envelope? Were they paid for? Did the school in fact? Unknowingly provide the postage for these. That's the only thing that would make it better. Oh, I mean, that really. would be oh, that so genius. Kids, don't do this though. I mean, it's wrong. You shouldn't do it. They can be guests on the show. It's you bad. better get them before Oprah does. <laughs> kids, these are these who are these uh, these hooligans are not role models, kids. Uh, but it is it is still pretty righteous. All right, well done. All right, here's Tim Riley. Meanwhile, from Illinois comes word of 11 students suspended for a banana prank. A high school has suspended 11 seniors involved in a prank that featured a student in a gorilla costume chasing banana-clad seniors in the hallways. 
The Zion Benton Township High School handed seven-day suspensions to the costume students who phoned in sick before the stunt and wore pantyhose over their heads to conceal their identities. Some of the students at the school overreacted with the harsh punishment. What's funnier than a gorilla chasing bananas through a school? Nothing. Nothing. The prank's mastermind and the student who dressed as the gorilla said it was a harmless prank. However, others say it was... They're just thankful the school decided not to bar them from prom or graduation. Wait, so they were uh, so they were suspended, or they were what happened to them? Uh, let's see. Yeah, they were suspended for seven days because what? they because a guy in a gorilla suit chased a guy in a banana costume. Mm -hmm. God, schools have no sense of humor. We think this is just punishments at Brenda Epcar, one of the students who dressed as a banana. We broke rules that we shouldn't have <laughs> broken, so he feels bad now. Whatever that he dressed as a banana. God damn, do I not miss being a student? There's nothing about high school I miss. Not one single solitary thing. Is not a, all I remember. You know, and uh, uh, I know it sounds like I have many unresolved issues from my adolescence, but it's like when uh, Susan had her kid in here because they were doing that high school corporation thing and. We were noting to them, as we always do uh, whenever teenagers come in, that there is no permanent record. Nothing goes in a permanent file. You leave the, the school doesn't remember who you are like three days after you're My gone. My friend Amanda Pants is a teacher, and she said there is a permanent file. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, but is that a permanent file, like, just if you, like, for the kids that, like, carry guns to school, or is that for everybody, do you think? I, I mean, know. if you're, like, at, if you actually... Uh, is she addressed as Miss Pants by the students? <laughs> she calls me Mrs. Pants. <laughs> That's not her actual name, though, is it? I wear the pants in this classroom. I always thought that was like a nickname. I think it might be a nickname. But Mrs. she is pants. known as like a Amanda Pants. Amanda Pants. Uh-huh. Um, hello, I'm that. looking for Amanda Pants. Is there Amanda Pants? Um, what was my point? I mean, I think if you're like an actual menace, like if you are have some sort of a commit a crime or something, there might be a permanent record. But beyond that, I don't... Where would there even be room for? Well, I guess with technology and whatnot, they can they can do it with science. But I I always just assumed that as soon as like with every graduating class, like those files just went into a shredder somewhere, just went into a burn bin because there would just be no there'd be no room for them. Um, but uh, I had some other observation to make. Oh, here's the other thing. Just but as we move off of this, by the way, I'm at the Lincoln High School homepage. I don't see anything about it. There's no reference to it at all. All I see here is the Maybe thing. I intend to put it on. I see something about the spring play. I see something about the prom, the blood drive. Try the prom. And it's Earth Week. Okay, hold on. Let me click here. Junior, senior prom? I guess so, yes. Clicking on junior, senior prom. No, it just says the dates. Okay. I see no reference to this letter at all. Let me make sure I'm on the main page here. I'm on the main page. Uh, and. The main page, and there's just something about global warming. Like kids care. Yes, seriously, because there's nothing kids care about more than something that's going to happen 70 years from now. Um, well, all right, yeah, I see no reference to it at all. But my, my final observation is that I remember when we were getting ready to graduate, did you guys ever do, and probably no for Tim, would you, would you guys ever do the thing at graduation where, like, all of the seniors assembled at the graduation ceremony would do some wacky thing at the ceremony itself. No, because our parents were there. Probably. Probably <laughs> parents were there, ready to administer a, 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 a switching. Um, Sarah, at your high school graduation, <clears throat> specifically, when you all walked up to get your diploma, did you hand anything to the guy who was giving out your diploma? I don't even remember. So I had another blur. graduation between then and there. College? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's that? No, I don't remember my high school graduation very much. Because every time you keep talking about graduation, I keep thinking about my college graduation. Oh, see, and having not gone to college, high school graduation is the only graduation I'll ever know, Sarah. 
I don't even know what a college girl. I don't even know what college is like. Uh, at my, I, I mean, really, this is my whole life. I've wasted my, I've wasted 35 years. Oh, you're doing fine. Um, but at my high school graduation, at my high school, every year there was this thing where the graduating seniors will go up, and then the, uh, you know, the principal would come over, and he'd pretend to know who you were for a second, and he'd hand you the thing, the diploma, and you'd shake his hand and go, thank you so much. And then he'd turn, and the guy goes, and he takes the photograph of me and my mullet, and then you walk off stage. And every year... The deal is the seniors would have a small item in their hand, and it would all be the same. Like one year, it was all marbles. And so you go up, and the guy go, all right, uh, congratulations, and, uh, you know, I look forward, you know, you enjoy your long journey to the middle, you know. And then you'd, he'd hand you the palm. You'd shake his hand, but as you shook his hand, just like how you give the waiter a $5 bill to your table, you'd shake his hand, and you'd hand him a marble. And so 500 kids in a row would come up, and they'd give the guy a marble in his hand. And so by the end of graduation... Freaking marbles, like 500 marbles all over the stage. And so it then became a minefield where every single person who was on stage doing anything had to be careful where they would step, or otherwise they would slip and fall on their ass in front of everybody, So which is pretty great. Um, but but the, the class before, I mean, and great by which I mean you shouldn't do it because it's wrong, but it was great. And the class before us, I think, was the last class allowed to do that because when we got ready to graduate, they made an announcement uh, it, as we were like walking into the hall, into the auditorium, they there was an announcement. And if you hand anything to the principal, you will not be allowed to graduate. Which I now realize is like the biggest load. Mm -hmm. I've you know we've done finished. I had paid all of my library fines. I had passed my classes. There was nothing they could do to keep me from graduating. It was a hollow threat. So let me just now, as a public service to high school students, say, once you have completed your coursework. Uh, unless you have library fines, which I did, I had to pay like seven dollars. They weren't going to give my diploma. Uh, it's, it's an empty threat. There's nothing they can do. So I'm not telling you to hand the principal something when he gives you your diploma. I'm just saying any threat should ring as the empty saber rattling that it is. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, you're not going to like this story. A uh, place that you frequent was robbed last night. Wait, hold on. Can we I'm, guess? I'm trying to think of a joke that's the response that's not profane. Uh, a place that I frequent was Rob Glad Pantry. No. My uh, father's place. No. What else do I frequent? Where else do you go? It's I mean, it's in the coup. Is it that empty corner where oh, I just Cinetopia? curl up and yeah. sob? Oh. Really? Yeah. When? And now, during business hours? Yeah, 7.30 last night. Guy Jesus. goes in the lobby, which was occupied by moviegoers, approaches the concession stand. He demands cash from the woman working behind the register. Witnesses told police he... Uh, Okay, so apparently there are several people in line and saw this guy. He was wearing a hooded sweatshirt between five foot eight and six feet tall. He was a white heavy set bald guy in his forties and fifties and he pulled out a gun. Jesus. Yeah. So he took off on foot. Then he hopped into a small black pickup truck. That I mean, but that just seems I mean, even by criminal standards that seems dumb because that place has got any number of people there. That place's mm -hmm. gotta be filled with cameras. Yeah. I mean Cinetopia is I mean, I love that place. I really do. It looks great. The art. Did you see? Have you been there recently? Did you see that Superman? The last time I went there was for the mist. Oh man! So whenever that was, January. They had all the super cool art hanging in there, and there's this beautiful, like the Superman. I don't know exactly what it was. It's like a mixed medium, um, just like big shiny, pretty it's painting. Beautiful. That place. And let me say this: this uh, this little bit of crime will not keep me away. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit, and I will not be dissuaded. Uh, that place is really gorgeous. It's fantastic, and you know, a lot of money went into that place. So I would not be for Robin. 
the Sunatopi because they're going to find you and they're going to have you killed. So yeah, there's a clearly and there's cameras a, everywhere. And I and, and despite the fun that we poke at Vancouver, that's clearly a an upscale operation that they've obviously sunk a lot of money into that place. Uh, as well, they show because it's it, it is one of the best places to see movies, really hands down. So all right, well they'll catch that guy and give him what for. So there. Well, a guy who lives in the Cove, he started off uh, with a very bad day, but ended up much happier. Uh, Rick Wagner was having the type of day everyone always has when things go wrong. Uh, he decided to head to a local Albertsons for some groceries, and when he got out, there was a fender bender in the parking lot. I couldn't believe it. Uh, so he goes to the liquor store and uh, buys a scratch-it ticket, as anybody would try to cheer themselves up. He went to Albertsons to, uh, to buy some more groceries, and then as he was coming out, the unscratched ticket fell out of his hand in the wind and danced in the parking lot, finally landing in the puddle. He chased after the ticket, picked it up, and headed home. So he let it dry off, and then he scratched it off, and he was $50,000 richer. Excellent. That's a thing where, like, he's won the money, but late at night, that'll just dance around inside of his head as a, a horrible what could have been. Uh, let's see. This one says, uh, Rick. Uh, our prank at high school graduation was to somebody. This is, I guess, because people blow, uh, throw up those uh, the beach balls at concerts. So someone found a sex doll, inflated it during the valedictorian speech, and then tossed it around in the audience. <laughs> See, and you know, you know why that's great. I mean, don't do it, kids. It makes it's wrong. everybody giggle. It makes everybody giggle, and it's impossible to trace the origin of that because you're bringing it I in with DNA. deflated. Well, I mean, maybe I guess now they could be testing the spout or whatever it is, the spigot, whatever that thing is. Uh, but that's the thing. It's, it's pretty difficult to determine from whence that came. Oh, you know, the, you know, the one thing, the other thing that was big at our high school at graduation was silly string. The kids still uh, play with silly string. I would imagine that's timeless. I think so. Silly string never goes out of fashion. No. So hell, if silly string was in here, I'd still be playing with silly string. Oh, now you know what's going to happen now. Now that you've said it, now that you've put it out there, here's Tim silly Riley. Awesome. Silly string really is great. It is. You know what else is great? You know what never gets old? Silly putty. I'm going to say mm -hmm. that right, and I'm going to put it out there. I haven't seen silly putty in the longest time. You know what else doesn't get old? Do you remember those, do you remember those big old like uh, squishy gel hands that you could get at bowling alleys, and they had like a long arm attached, and you could yeah. them on things? Yeah, and it would grab stuff sometimes. Mm -hmm. That was an offshoot of the Wacky Wall Walker. Do you remember the Wacky Wall Walker? No. It's a, the Wacky Wall Walker was a uh, an offshoot. Well, it was it was the thing that created those those rubbery hands that would grab stuff. The r Wacky Wall Walker, Wacky Wall Walker. Was a spider. It was. It, wall walker was? it was a toy spider made out of that rubber. Mikey wall walker. And the Mikey deal walker. is, you would take the toy spider made out of that stuff, and you would throw it at the top of a wall, and it would slowly crawl down the wall. Uh, and from that came the rubbery hands. Here's Tim Riley. Well, TriMet has uh, offered the same press releases they send out every week at this time. We're adding more police. No one will be raped today. TriMet is cracking down on rowdy riders. Uh-huh. Uh, fair inspectors and field supervisors will now kick off rowdy, obnoxious riders and ban them for riding up to six whole hours. <laughs> six entire hours. Wait, so this is, is this for uh, cheating your way onto the train or for just being a, uh, a hooligan? Uh, being a hooligan. Right. Violent, threatening, or disruptive behavior. We'll get you for six Which hours? Be, yeah, you can't ride for six whole hours if you're bad. All right. Well, I mean, the six hours is enough to be robbing several banks for most of those people. They're offering improved lighting. And improve sight lines. How do you how do you improve lighting? Uh, a more powerful light bulb, I guess. This is in the train or at the stop? It doesn't specify. I mean, how much light do you need in a small enclosed room? Mm -hmm. I mean, the train is basically just a tiny enclosed tube. Yes. I mean, I guess if you add a sufficient amount of light, you'll just be so blinded that you can't engage in crime. But. And they're offering uh, more police officers, which I I saw them one day, <laughs> and then I guess they only work for one day. 
Do you ever see those? Well, is, is those cops in the yellow jackets, right? Isn't that the deal? No, those are the ticket collectors. They're different. We're talking about regular cops. Are these actual, like, real cops, like, dressed like cops? supposed to be. All right. That's what they, we've been promised. I haven't seen one. And so they just sort of, well, you know what they ought to do? Here's a little tip from us to the city. Instead of putting regular cops with guns and whatever else they, it is they carry. Um, cops with silly string. Yes. Instead of that, you know what, what they ought to do is they ought to just announce. I'm, I'm giving this idea free to the city. They ought to just announce that they are going to be covering the max with undercover cops dressed as smelly homeless guys. You know what I mean? That's the, they ought to just blanket every conceivable media outlet with the story that they are going to... From now on, cops everywhere on the max, but they're all going to look like grubby homeless kids. Uh, and then you'd see a cop on every corner. You'd Why be, can't they be deputized? You'd be Well, I mean, they're not doing anything else. But, I mean, if they did that, you'd be convinced the cops were everywhere. All uh, they're doing is hauling cans around. <laughs> <laughs> this email says, Rick, I just tuned in. Tim said that a white, heavyset, bald guy robbed Cenotopia. Was it you? <laughs> and then it's apparently you're looking at the before picture and not the after one. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. And it says, "Hey, by the way, Rick, I just found your permanent record online. All it says is tedious motor mouth and loner with a bad mullet." Signed Z. Thank you. A caffeinated Generation Xer. <laughs> Future loser and embittered unemployed guy. Here's Tim Riley. Oh, that was funny. Uh, parts of the Marion County Courthouse were shut down after the latest employee in a line of several became sick. Apparently, uh, the trouble began last week when an administrative assistant went home feeling extremely ill. She was hospitalized. Her condition has deteriorated. She was recently moved from the uh, hospital's intensive care unit. Her case uh, is confirmed to be influenza. <laughs> However, since then, three additional employees have fallen ill, and their cases are not to believe uh, to be the flu. And uh, court security screener also became violently ill. Staff called 911, and she was transported by ambulance to the hospital. I hear she is a very influenza woman with the city. That was funny. <laughs> I, I think you're lying. I think you're telling a fib right now, Tim Riley. I'm going to persist in my belief that that was amusing just now. It was. Okay. Now, of all places where there might be a hidden camera, wouldn't you think there might be one outside the White House? You'd Several? I would Not hope. just one? Well, whether he was up to no good or simply desperate to uh, have some blueberries, a Mexican press attaché was caught on camera by Secret Service agents pocketing several White House blackberries. Now, okay, I'll let you, I'll let you continue. Because, here, can I just, you handed me the story when I was talking to Bob Costantini. You should have read it. But here's here's why I was going to read it. I, when Bob was on the phone, Tim came in and handed me the and story. And I never give up when I find a good story. No, no, no. I'm glad you're reading it now. Look, here's why. Because usually when you hand me something about California with Roop or uh, The Hill with Lisa or Bob, I read it. But as I was getting ready to read the story to Bob, I realized that I wasn't quite sure what the story was about. Because listen to what it says. Secret Service catch, and I'm just going to read this as it's written. Okay. I'm going to read this without uh, okay. elaboration. Secret Service catch Mexican official nabbing White House blackberries. Right. Now, what are you picturing? I'm picturing stealing blackberries from the garden, picking them. I, I'm not going to say what I'm picturing, Tim. I'm just saying blackberry. I think there are multiple kinds of blackberries. Whether he was up to no good or... 
Simply Desperate, a Mexican press attaché was caught on camera by the Secret Service pocketing White House blackberries <laughs> during a recent meeting, Fox News has learned. Well, maybe there aren't any growing around the Mexican White House. <laughs> See? I, but I think that he's talking about the handheld phone. He may be. You can continue the story during a meeting. I think they're talking about BlackBerry, the handheld cellular but communication. Do we know that the White House distributes said BlackBerry? Well, I think they may have just been. Do laying... we know that they don't grow blackberries in the garden? I don't know, but I will say that that's why I didn't read this with Bob Costantini because <laughs> it, I... it was like the day that they they. Uh... They found sex toys in that guy's boot. Was it the trunk of his car? Was it the boot he was wearing? I didn't have time to read the entire story, but I realized that Bob is sort of... I'm not going to say Bob is humorless. He's not. I'm just saying, Bob, you can't... (laughs) You're not saying that. You don't have to say that. Some people say that Bob Costantini is humorless. Uh, No, he's not. It's just that the, the sort of give and take with Bob, Bob is made uncomfortable pretty easily, and I realized that I was now going to be talking about a story about a Mexican man at the White House stealing blueberries, or I'm sorry, blackberries. Blackberries. (laughs) See, now I'm doing it. Blackberries. And I really, I I figured that that was the kind of thing. (laughs) See? Do you see why I didn't read it? But you should have done it anyway. What's this about a Mexican man stealing blueberries at the White House? Can you imagine how yes, I can imagine how badly that. that would have gone? And how would that be any worse than what usually goes on? <laughs> imagine, if you will, Bob Costantini's response. I can't imagine that. Bob, there's this Mexican man stealing blueberries at the White House. Please to elaborate. Well, Rick, I... I mean, I just don't even know what he would have said. Well, so, try it tomorrow. <laughs> no, the next time you talk to so I'm glad that my I did. sources tell me blah blah blah, blah. <laughs> sources inside the White House say that there are Mexicans stealing blueberries in the White House. Mexican man is filling his pants with blackberries, Bob. <laughs> I mean it's <laughs> well, it's not out of the question. <laughs> it's not. It happened. It's right here. So did we determine what they are? Quintero Curiel had pants full of blackberries. (laughs) Well, they're good with sherry. He's claiming diplomatic immunity. You can steal. Oh, he is. He's claiming diplomatic immunity. That's what I said. He's claiming. I don't make things up, Tim. (laughs) He's claiming diplomatic immunity. Wow. Okay. Anywho, just reading the so, uh, White House spokeswoman uh, Dana Plato, Dana Perino, <laughs> Dana Plato, had this to say, refused to discuss the incident. Uh huh. Where right. were the situation? <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. By the well, way, it didn't go quite the way I thought it would, but it has been humorous. <laughs> I think Bob is grateful, uh, even though he doesn't know it. Bob's grateful that we didn't bring this up with him. By the way, some people are now just sending me photographs of Lincoln's like. Altered images of Lincoln's biography, which are now all titled Drinkin' Lincoln. So thanks so much. All right. 503-733-2970. Let's take a break. We'll come back. It's 1235. We've wasted an hour and 35 minutes of people's lives. Time you can never get back. All right. Back after this. More with Tim Riley. We have advertising people who will sell you this. Fools. Oh, excellent. All right. Back after this. It's the Rick Everson Radio Program. Don't go anywhere. It just takes... 
It's the Rick Emerson. Hello. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. That was me. Thanks so much for coming by. Apparently, I'm just looking at Wikipedia, or as my mom calls it, Wikipedia. Uh, I'm now, apparently now, Rick Emerson, Oregon's Entertainer of the Year, three years running, is now a notable alumni at, Port, at, uh, at Portland Lincoln High School. Thanks so much. I didn't do that, by the way. All right. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Anywho. Uh, let's see. Still to come, uh, Jim Roop. Uh, and other things. Oh, i got to get to this Popeye uh, thing as well. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, a brand new boat powered by human fat will attempt a round-the-world speed record. Uh, this is the fastest one. Uh, the fastest fat-powered boat in the it world. It is. Uh, yeah. Pete Bethume and his wife mortgaged their house and sold everything they owned to make this project happen while continuing to seek financial support from sponsors. From sponsors? How do you pitch that? Well, demonstrating further commitment to the cause, Bethume underwent liposuction and donated enough... Oh. Well, and two other larger volunteers also had the procedure, <laughs> making a total of 10 liters of human fat. This, in turn, produced 7 liters of biofuel that can help the boat travel, well, several thousand miles. The announcement was made at the QE2 Pier, where it is uh, hosting visitors before it takes off for its voyage around the world on human fat. Okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, piles of teeth... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a dental kidding. gold rush is being reported at pawn shops in Florida and elsewhere. Where? As Florida. Florida. As people sell piles of gold teeth, dental caps, fillings, even bridge work, the cash in. Apparently, uh, they're getting as much as $50 for each gold crown they turn at pawn shops. Some people are bringing piles of gold teeth because the economy has gone so bad. I love the idea that no one asks them where the piles of gold teeth came from either. People are cashing in. If a dentist passes away, their kids come in with big piles of gold teeth, says Scott Saber, who owns Tabor Coins, a coin dealer who also buys teeth and resells them. Uh, he used to see only a few customers a month selling gold teeth, but now he gets that many every week. People are digging up the gold and starting to sell it. Heavier pieces of dental gold can command prices of several hundred dollars. So, let me ask you this, Tim. So, where, uh, unless Dad was a dentist, mm -hmm. where else, and I really don't know the answer to this, where else would you be getting gold teeth that you could then take to, was it a pawn shop? Yes, several. Where else would you be getting gold teeth? I mean, realistically. That is a good question. I mean, how could the pawn shops, there can't be that many dentists dying in Florida. How many? Apparently, a lot of them are being found on beaches, too. That sounds... So they claim. <laughs> found on beaches in the mouth of a man who was sunbathing until we subdued him with chloroform. <laughs> I mean, really. I mean, unless there's dentists dying in record numbers, unless there's some dentist-only virus. This... Metal detectors are selling out near Port Canaveral beaches. I call such BS on that. Who loses all kinds of gold teeth at the beach? I know. When well... have you ever lost a tooth at the beach? Never. Well, you can thank Local6.com for this story. As of, of course. Now, Many that, stories every day. Is that where Richard Nunn works? No, he works at, uh, I think it's called Jack's. Okay. Channel 4 in uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. All right. Well, Local 6 really is the greatest. It's in Orlando. That's the greatest television station in the country, really by the way. Is. It really is. Um, 
So I call a little bit of shenanigans on that. Well, I don't have any gold teeth. I don't have to worry. Oh, by the way, speak, just speaking of, of dentistry, <laughs> really? Multiple of them. Where'd you get all that gold? Locked over the head. <laughs> on the max. Yeah. No, it'll be on the max. As police officers are looking the other way. Um, as police officers are stopping a guy from littering, somebody will be prying out your teeth. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're listening to KCB Portland, and we just can't believe it ourselves. No. Um, I wrote this we down last night. This my, so my wife went to the dentist for the first, for the, wait, no, for the, the second of what I believe are six appointments. Um, so my wife is at the dentist. So she got her first quadrant done. Well, here's the thing. So, so she, I will not identify the dentist, but, um, so she, she goes in and, you know, I love my wife, but I just don't understand her sometimes. I just don't like her thing of growing. God damn, I went home and she's doing that. I told you she's drinking that mold tea. But the thing is, she drinks a lot of it. So, like, every, whatever, like, every ten days, she's got to make more mold. Uh, and it's, like, just this big pancake of mold floating on a thing in our kitchen. It's just so gross. It's just the grossest thing. And it does start to smell up the kitchen, damn too. It. Has it, it already started? Oh, yeah. No, my whole house stinks And like, then hippie. you're going to start smelling like that, and then people are going to think that you kind of stink, and nobody wants to say anything to you, and then you're just going to always smell like that. Is this... Wait, are you... When you say no, no, future no, tense, have... is this secretly present tense? Okay. Well, anyway, so she's so she's growing more mold. It's just she, you know, I love. How many my... does she have the multiple jars yet? Yeah, yeah. Yep, that's no. what Manuel and Ben did. I, I, and I, I love my wife, and she's one of the smartest people I know. But she does things I don't understand sometimes because she, at her core, at her core, she's she's. It's either that at her core she's really smart, but she's surrounded by hippie nonsense sometimes, or at her core she's a hippie and she's sort of got a lot of book learning. I don't know which it is, but she goes to the dentist. And, you know, here in the Rick Emerson Show, at least speaking for myself, we're big fans of chemicals in the future and now and today and science and advancement and whatever. Um, my wife, though, is just, she just rejects Western medicine sometimes for reasons I don't understand. She goes to the dentist, and the dentist is getting ready to do a deep cleaning on her, which you've said is painful. Yes. <laughs> you said that at yes, first. Yes. You know what the dentist said to her? Because she was like, well, g give me the Novocaine. And as she put it, the dentist talked her out of the Novocaine. And that doesn't make any sense to me at all. Why would a dentist? I mean, the dentist isn't paying for it. That's either Lara out of her pocket or the insurance company. So unless he's billing the the insurance company for it and saving it for someone else. Do you know what the dentist said to her instead of, like, giving her the Novocaine? The dentist talked her out of it by saying, I swear to you, the dentist, I wrote this down and I made her read it back to me to make sure that I wasn't misrepresenting it. The dentist, and this is a real dentist at a real dental office, so-called, the dentist told my wife as she's preparing for the deep cleaning, said, pain is really just a trick of your mind. No, pain is real. <laughs> no, pain apparently hurts. not, Tim. It's a figment, I guess. Pain hurts. Pain, pain is a trick of your mind. You just need to find your center. This is actual, like, dental, like, medical advice given to my wife by a, a presumably licensed dentist. Pain is just a trick of your mind. Find your center. Anyway, so, as Laura put, and I, and I just said, you know, I wouldn't even argue argument. And I said, okay, are you done, finally? Are you done with your teeth? And she goes, well, this is what she said. She goes, I've just got two more. Then they'll start on the other side. <laughs> So she got like a hundred uh, visits left. So Tim, just for future reference, the pain isn't real, Tim. It's not really there. You're imagining it. No, no. There's no imagining. Jesus. The pain is real. Here's Tim Riley.
Well, the Florida Senate has voted 37 to 2 in favor of giving people violations for hanging bull testicles from their rear bumpers. The vehicle accessories are growing in popularity thanks in part to Internet sales of such brands as Your Nuts and Bull's Balls. Your Nuts. Mm-hmm. N-U-T-Z. Uh-huh. And Bull's Balls. Uh, the bill, which uh, needs House approval in Florida, states, <laughs> whoever willfully displays on a vehicle an obscene word, image, or device, including but not limited to reproductive glands, commits a non-criminal traffic violation punishable as a moving violation. You know, I find the word gland to be really un- unpleasant. I don't like that word at all. Gland is an, is an, awkward, an awkward word. Here's Tim Riley. A Maury County woman has been charged with reckless homicide, and what her attorney says was, it was an accidental officiation of her husband after he consented to be bound and gagged. Okay. Wait. Now, what was I just talking about yesterday? Woman charged and husband's kinky sex death? Yeah, with the, with the cow. With the safety ring. Oh, the, the safety, safety ring. ring. Oh, okay. That's exactly with the cow. That's exactly. <laughs> was the cow involved? In so you're talking about the headline with the cow? Well, the cow, the... the cow, the cow can't always say zucchini. Uh, so, all right. So, so go ahead. So, this, she accidentally kills her husband during kinky sex. Yes. The whole family is upset about what occurred. Said her attorney. <laughs> we stand by the fact that this was an accident. According to the arrest warrant, Rebecca Bargie placed duct tape over James Bargie's mouth and eyes put a ball gag in his mouth, and then tied a bandage around his head, leaving only his nostrils showing. She also tied his hands and legs behind his back. She left him there for some 20 hours. Apparently, this was not the first time it happened. Uh, let's see. So she faces up to 12 years in prison if guilty. Uh, detectives uh, told a Nashville television station that Rebecca Barkey was having an affair with another man, Mona Phillips, Rebecca Bargie's mother said it was an accident, but his sister thinks it was intentional. Police think they know where Rebecca was during the 20 hours she left her bound husband alone, and it may change the way that they prosecute the case. They say she stayed with another man at a local motel at least two days last week. Bargie met him online and brought his airline ticket from California. Then she left briefly and returned home to see her husband. Philip said her daughter and son-in-law... Uh, did what they wanted to do. So this is so this is not a thing that where I guess my uh, my invention of the safe ring would have helped because there's nobody there because he was just sort of laying in a bed going mm, mm-hmm. so doing nothing. All right, okay. But in th- but in theory though, yeah. Uh, in theory though, it's still a great idea because then ball gag or not, still signal for help. Okay, I'm going to move forward with that as, a, as an invention. You, you really think? should. That's pretty genius. I think it's a great idea. I think that is as they used to say in marketing class. I think that's an idea. That's a niche that is a. That market is an inch wide, but a narrow... Uh, no, wait, what is it? An inch wide, mile deep. There's a bunch of people that buy that. Here's Tim Riley. A woman convicted of beating up another woman on a ride at Walt Disney World in Florida has been sentenced to 90 days in jail. 52-year-old Victoria Walker could have been jailed up to a year, but the judge said he was impressed with her remorse. Uh, she'll be given credit for 32 days already served. The 35-year-old victim says she's pleased with the sentence and was happy that the lady apologized to her. It's a brawl world after all, Tim. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. Uh, this email says um, about Wikipedia. You just read that someone added Lincoln High School graduate to your Wikipedia entry. Seriously, are you so vain that you are Wikipediaing yourself during your own show? That's a good point. Do you do your whole, he says? Do you do your whole show gazing at yourself in the mirror as well? To be fair, somebody sent me the link. 
sir, which I then clicked on immediately and, and read. And to be fair, there's no place to hang a mirror in here. <laughs> <laughs> if, if only there was, Tim. I'm thinking about having some sort of... You are one of the most self-involved people I've ever met. Yes. Well, uh, he is the entertainer of the year. <laughs> Seriously. Three years I, running. That, Sarah, you can't give, you can't give that award to yourself. you got to earn it. True. <laughs> uh, um, oh, hey, by the way, somebody we work with, I won't say who... Somebody we work with just sent me, this is totally uh, a coincidence because we were talking about high school earlier. Mm -hmm. Dude, who knows what LinkedIn is? L-I-N-K-E-D-in. Is something oh, that I know do? it's like a professional directory or something. LinkedIn. Uh, this person says, Rick, I'd like to add you to my professional network on LinkedIn. Can't you just tell sometimes when you get a solicitation that is purportedly, or maybe even is from somebody you know, but you can tell that they didn't care enough to write their own personal message, and it's just the auto message that the service sends. Tam thought you would enjoy this story. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway, it says, listen to, listen to this. What is LinkedIn? Maintain and develop your professional network. I'll just say it. Like Dennis Pitsenbarger, you can stay connected to past and present classmates who you respect. I've never stayed connected to one. No, me either. Ever. I mean, what, who is this for? What classmates from my past do I really love and respect that I have to maintain contact with, like, now? All right. Uh, all right. So, no, I'm... That's... By the way, that's the sound of me hitting delete. FYI. Here's Tim Riley. Yeah, nobody wants to be part of these things. No. I, I get a lot of requests for that, too. Not at all. It's like, how many people don't want to find me? None. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I've, done my, I've done my best to not be sought out nor to seek anyone. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, let's see here. So controversy is brewing over this North Carolina political ad for uh, John McCain. Beth Perdue and Richard Moore endorse Barack Obama. They should know better. He's just too extreme for North Carolina. The North Carolina Republican Party sponsored this ad opposing Beth Perdue and Richard Moore for North Carolina governor. So McCain said these are a very small group of Republicans in North Carolina, and they're forcing him, forcing him against his will to air this. I'm calling on them to repudiate the people, the small handful of people that have refused to understand that we are the party of Abraham Lincoln. Uh, John McCain says his hands are tied. I do not have any further options. I cannot enforce my will on people who not are yet. the elected uh, representatives of their party, but I can make it clear to them that I will have no part of it. He is a typical white person. This is what? This is the ad? It's not even an ad about the presidency. It's an ad for, it's like a Senate race ad. Mm -hmm. But they, they just dredge up the picture of Barack Obama, and then, mm -hmm. and this man is his, is his preacher. And then they show the guy saying that the government created AIDS. Yeah, or whatever. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program, sir or madam, as the case may be. Hi, Rick. Hello. Two things. Hi. For my, our senior prank, we switched all the... Uh, Numbers on the top of the door, so the freshmen were lost for about a week. Those darn, those darn freshmen. And the second place to get gold teeth would be a mortician. But I mean, you can't just go there and offer to buy like a bag, like a grab bag. <laughs> you have no, a bag of bones would, and other leavings. No, the mortician would turn them in to redeem the gold, right. and that's how they would get hordes of. With redeeming box tops, but that's not legal. Like if you're a mortician, you can't just be taking a guy's teeth. Well, it used to be legal. That's not true. I don't think that was ever legal. You can't... Doesn't the mortician have to... If you ask for all of you to be buried, doesn't he have to bury all of you? Good question. I, I mean, that uh, that seems like a thing that maybe one of your... Maybe one of your downscale mortuaries they might do. Or maybe the family... Or maybe it's if somebody just was not well-liked. You know, where there's nobody maybe. who's going to show up and count your teeth afterward. Well, maybe after you're cremated and he's sifting through the ashes, he can just pick out the lumps of gold. 
This is a really awkward conversation. All right, no, fair, fair enough. Duly noted. Thank you. What is your name? Barbara. Barbara, are you spreading the word about this fine radio program? You betcha. All right. Now, is that a you betcha to placate me, or is that an actual you betcha, meaning that you have done it? No, I have done it. I really enjoy your show. Excellent. Thank you so much. You call us anytime, Barbara. Thank you. All right, there you go. That's Barbara, ladies and gentlemen. Here's Tim Riley. So Hillary has raised $10 million in 24 hours. Pretty impressive. It is pretty impressive. But, you know, I was thinking last night, I think she's going to lose to McCain anyway, because her campaign is being run by Terry McGalla, Paul Begala, and James Carville. Pack of losers. Pack of losers every time. And they put the same group of losers together every time to lose. They have no idea how to win. Well, you know, the thing about, uh, you know what it is with James Carville, who I do uh, quite like as an author and commentator, I will say that, because I think he's got the, uh, he's feisty. The thing about that guy is that, Everybody holds up the fact that he masterminded the Bill Clinton uh, campaign, which, you know, to be fair, they did in 92. They did sort of change the way that campaigns were run. If you watch the Pennebaker documentary, The War Room, you can see a lot of that. But the thing about that is that is sort of like James Carville is a little bit like the Alanis Morissette of politics, where he has all of these. Like Alanis Morissette has like 10 albums that came out before Jagged Little Pill that you've never heard because they're awful. Because they, in fact, I think this, I think this is true that Alanis Morissette's early records are actually so bad the record company withdrew them from the market and like destroyed all of them because they don't want anybody to hear them and they are sort of the holy grail of bad music because I guess all of Alanis Morissette's early stuff is like bad rap and like terrible like synth pop rap yeah it was like pop yeah and as soon as you know she had the huge hit with with Jagged Little Pill and then really nothing after that that's what James Carville is. Uh, as he himself noted, big string of losses forever and ever and ever and ever. Then he won with Bill Clinton, and then really nothing since then. Correct. But because of that one shining moment in 1992, he continues to get hired. Uh, for like, big bucks. Yeah, by people. To lose. By Hillary Clinton, which is clearly not going as well as they'd hoped. So, right. Yeah. So, anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh-oh. Looks like we're running out of rice. Rice rationing in the U.S. Apparently, there's a worldwide shortage those who come up with the rice are running out of it. There are too many people eating this stuff. I was going to ask that question. Are there, I mean, in America, is there really a disproportionate amount of rice consumption in this country? Not really. I mean, even with our melting I mean, pot of a culture? I, yeah, I mean... I eat rice a couple times a, w- a week anyway. Is that true? I think a lot of people use it as yeah. sides. You know, I think I go in the kitchen a lot, and Becca uh, from promotion, uh, from the from KUFO promotions in there, uh, she... Eats a lot of rice, actually. I think it's because she's much more healthy uh, than I am. So maybe it's just I eat a lot me. of rice, too. Yeah, maybe I'm out of the loop on this one. Richie? If, if somebody put candy in with it, you'd eat it. <laughs> they cover it in chocolate or kerosene. <laughs> they stuck it in this, a moon pie. <laughs> is this really my perception to the public? Is this yes. really, yes, is this yeah, really how I am perceived? Even, even, yeah. even the people you work with. <laughs> Rick, if we covered it in aerosol cheese, I bet you'd down a big bag of it. Richie uh, noted he eats a 50-pound bag of rice a month. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Okay, clearly I'm out of step with the mainstream. All right. So, uh, let's see. Uh, Tim Johnson is with the California Rice Commission. He says, beware. The supply of rice in the world hasn't significantly changed. Demand's increased, but the prices have sure outstripped uh, everybody's expectations. I didn't think that rice would be... Can I just tell you something? I have no idea how rice is grown. And don't just say patties, because that doesn't explain anything. Is it on a small shrub? You're laughing, but you don't know either. Sarah's mocking me. This is like that day we didn't know how pineapples grew. It has grown on a rice bush. Is that true? As somebody who knows. Wait, did you say as someone or ask someone? Ask someone who knows. Sarah, do you know how rice is grown? I believe it's grown on stalks. Like corn? 
Yeah. Is it like just like rice on the cob? I think not. No, not like in a big cob formation. I think it's more like. You have no idea. No, I do. I don't know how to describe it. I don't know like either. Wheat. Like wheat. Like how wheat, like the end of wheat looks. Oh, I see. So it's sort of on a, like on a small stalk. I'm not saying that's what it is. That's my guess. You're guessing. So, that's my guess. Uh, it can be grown thinking... practically anywhere, even on a steep mountain or a hill. But what does it look like? I mean, is like... there a rice tree of some kind or like a rice? I really think it's stalks. Like there. a little like corn stalks. Okay, no, no, no. You are right. No, it, yeah, it is. It is very much wheat like. Okay, right. well, well done, Sarah. Okay, yeah, I had no. no you've idea. O- you've only seen it in Uncle Ben's box. That's what you <laughs> really think. No, that's it. I right. Uncle Ben doesn't appear till much later in the food chain. <laughs> <laughs> where Where is it grown? It's grown inside small cardboard squares. I love that in your mind you thought that there was just a bush made entirely out of rice, and then you like pick all the rice. You shake the bush into a box. How, how am I to know? I don't know where anything comes from. There are also trees with lollipops in them, right? Look, I, the whole pineapple thing threw me for a loop. A while back, uh, because I swear to Christ, I thought pineapples grew on trees. I thought pineapples were at the tall of big trees like coconuts, uh, but apparently not. I guess there's some. There, they, as we learned, there was a pineapple. What is it? A pineapple shrub? Well, you know, the origin of rice culture goes back to India, about 3,000 BC. It spread westward and was introduced in southern Europe in medieval times. Okay, but it's but it's a grain. Yes, it, okay. rice is a grain. It is a grain like wheat, not okay. a vegetable. Okay. Wait. Or fruit. Mm. Don't even get into it. Okay. I'm going to stop right now. I was yeah. going to say, I don't understand that. <laughs> okay. I don't understand. Apparently, it is also in the grass family. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there you go. All right. The more you know. Here's but they the... say there's no cause for alarm, but when they presented this story in Good Morning America this morning, they had they had uh, a siren sound effect in the background. Did they really? As they were talking about this. There's no cause for alarm. Go. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. Really? A siren? Yeah, they had a That's, siren That's in the background as they were reading this story on Good Morning America. What would they call it? They'd call it like rice, rice wars, rice flight, rice, rice, rice attack, rice. Rice wars? Rice. I'm trying to think of rice. <laughs> rice wars. Rice Wars. <laughs> I thought I was. <laughs> that's an inadvertent pun, actually. <laughs> I was sort of thinking of like the fight over rice by different nations. Rice Wars. <laughs> rice. Rice. strife continues in our world. So, well, who knew? I mean, that's one of those things that there's a sh- that you never really think about until the. Do you remember that coffee shortage in the 70s? Yes. There was the coffee shortage. Or another thing you don't really think about. That's when people drink coffee out of cans. Yeah, no, it, it, that was a strange time. Uh, I really cannot recommend that book, Starbucked, highly enough, because he talks a lot about the coffee shortage that happened, that happened in the 70s, it, which is weird, because we were all just drinking just crap out of a can. It was yeah. just, like, bad and bad and bad. Uh, that we basically just ground up pieces of bark. Rice wars. All right, I'm writing that down right now. So they're limiting you to buying uh, big bags of rice at Sam's Club, Walmart, Costco. I don't think people who go to Walmart buy a lot of rice. And let's see, BJ's Wholesale Club, wherever that is. All right. So, do not be alarmed. Do not hoard rice. But you're better off buying big bags of it now. I swear to God, Richie has described this as, hey, Vietnamese man, line two. That's how Richie is. Uh, that's how Richie's put this up on the screen. <laughs> Hello, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson program, sir, madam, as the case may be. Hi, yeah, this is, uh, my English name is Terry. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> Let's just move on. So what is, so your name, so you're, you were born in Vietnam, your name now here in America is Terry? Terry. Okay, so what is yeah. the deal with rice? Uh, rice is grown on, uh, vines, almost like grapes are. Wait, now hold on, like a vine? Now, we were to understand it looked like wheat. Well, they're smaller like wheat, but they grow like, uh, they grow like, like vines. 
up overhead. They have big, big patties where they grow them all on uh, trellis. Wait, so it's overhead, so it, it's like it's high above you? Yeah, and you have to pick them off one at a time. So you actually are... You're screwing with me. No. Sarah, Sarah just mouthed the words, this guy is totally messing with you. I don't think he's Vietnamese. Well, he might have been born there. I don't think he was born there. Sir, no, we... I, I, I was born there. I, I have dual citizenship. And so, wait, hold on. So you're claiming, so that I'm sort of picturing it like a grape arbor of some kind. Exactly. Let's but, go around the, the room. The vines are a lot skinnier than, uh, than grapevines. Hold on, let's go around the room. How, how sure are we that this guy is telling us the truth? Sarah? The connection and the echo of our voices behind him is distracting me, so I'm not really fully able to grasp it. Tim? I have my doubts. Oh, I'm hurt. So, so your story, Terry, if that is your name and it's not, is that... Terry, not Terry, Terry. Yes, is that, is that rice, rice is all around, not unlike, uh, not unlike grapes, that it grows on a vine-type thing that can actually go overhead, and you then pull it off one grain at a time. That's right, one at a time. That is similar to coffee, I suppose. All right, uh, excellent. Are you spreading the word about this radio program and all of the various uh, hosts who make your day so uh, pleasant? I do. In fact, I've got every single one of my coworkers addicted to you. What kind of business do you do, sir? Uh, it's, uh, it's a tech company. All right, excellent. Thank yeah, you, my friend. Uh, yeah, absolutely. All right, you call us anytime, Terry. Indeed. Thanks so much. All right, there you go. In 1694, Rice arrived in South Carolina. Colonial South Carolina and Georgia grew a great wealth from the slave labor obtained from West Africa. After the slaves are freed, the rice business went down the drain. Let's see, what else do we have? We have, uh, that guy's not a legitimate. All right, he did. No, he said Sarah's shaking her head. No, no, no. He didn't, it wasn't comical enough to be made No, of. I mean, I think he's a legitimate, um, like, fan of the show and a listener. I just... You don't believe he's from Vietnam? No, I just don't believe that that what he was saying was true. You don't wait. Let me let's 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 break this down. Do you? I believe he was probably Vietnamese. I believe that. Um, you think that the rice thing is made up? Yeah. Hmm. I don't like it. Well, it's always off-putting to me too. And it's like, hey, don't say that. And he's like, blah, blah, yeah. Blah. <laughs> and that always sets the, a negative tone for me in my head. I'm just like, <laughs> when people don't talking. follow directions, when people don't do as they're told. Uh, we do, and I don't mean to pick on the color, but that does, he, he was... That's just the most people, frustrating thing. And the people didn't hear this because we could replete a bit. Um, uh, but he uh, he indicated that he had dual citizenship, had an American name, that his Vietnamese name was, what's that word, euphonious, homonymous? Whatever, sounded like that his, and this is the case with a lot of uh, a lot of words in other cultures, where he's, he, he claimed that his Vietnamese name sounded like an American swear word. And he said, so I can't say it on the air because it, it sounds like an American profanity. And I said, okay. And he goes, but I'll spell it. And I said, why don't you not? And then, and then of course, what do, they, what do they always do? And then just keep on plunging through. <laughs> when I say don't spell something that sounds profane, always be sure to immediately then spell it on the air. So we, we bleeped that part of it. But um, I'm going to say I feel 80% that he was on the level. I mean, and even if he was passing along rice information, right uh, uh, rice disinformation, that. Maybe it was unknowingly. Maybe that, to the best of his knowledge, that is how they did it. I think in his heart, he, he was telling the truth. Did you know that Vietnam is the fit, fastest growing rice producer in the world? China, number one. Well, China's number one and everything. Do you know what... Uh, Bangladesh, you know, which has nothing but tragedy all the time, is number four. Can I tell you something? I have no idea where Bangladesh is. Couldn't find it on a map if you put a gun to my head. That's a big swamp somewhere over there. <laughs> it's the Okie Pinocchio of Asia? Yes. Asia. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, you know what else Viet, uh, 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 Vietnam grows an astounding amount of? Coffee. Hmm. There's a lot of coffee grown in Vietnam. People don't really know that. Uh, let's see here. I'll see. Now we just get nothing but that guy's wrong. Okay, we're going to do one more rice call. And for good or bad, here's the thing. This next call that we take about rice, no matter what the person says, that's going to be the party it's line the about rice. One. This next call, whatever the explanation of rice is, that's going to be the definition that we choose to cling to forever. Like Just that, like lightning only comes out of the sky. Exactly. Like that Always business. 100% all the time. Okay, so I'm going to let you guys, uh, what line should we pick? Tim, two. All right, sir. Explain yeah. the story of rice. Well, rice is grown in patties, you know, like rice patties where they actually, you'll see the, like the Vietnamese people out planting grass in water where they're standing in knee-deep water. Yes, sir. That's how rice is grown. It's not grown on a vine. So, and does it grow sort of, it looks like sort of wheat, and then you pull it off a grain at a time, or is it just like a machine that does it, or? Machine that does it kind of like wheat. And it, it, it okay, and it does look a lot like, it's sort of, sort of in the wheat family, one might Absolutely. say. Absolutely, and because they grow a ton of rice down like in Louisiana. All right. Excellent. All right. Thank you, sir. You're welcome. That's the definitive answer because that guy said so. You know, Richie's pointing out that at no point have we asked his his thoughts on this. <laughs> well, I didn't want to be stereotypical. <laughs> well, I know, but he's... I guess we do have a Vietnamese call screener. But he is he is from the Vietnamese culture and actually has uh, spent some time in Vietnam and so forth. Well, that's that's totally me. Maybe we were... <laughs> We were re- well. That was my first thought, but I wasn't going to. Ask so we were being, we were actually reverse stereotype. We can't possibly ask Richie. How would he know? Uh, here, <laughs> Richie, can we? <laughs> Welcome now to the Rick Emerson <laughs> Show. Hello, Richie. Hello. <laughs> How are you doing today? Well, now I feel different because now I think there's Asian people out there actually listening to me. So, hello, no. Asian. Did you not? <laughs> wow. I thought it was all white people. <laughs> well, One would think so. Why would this be generally in Portland? I mean, if you looked around our city, you could be forgiven for occasionally having that idea. No, it's a big tent here. Okay. Ours is the station of inclusion, Richie. Um, all right. Uh, now, I know we said that guy was definitive, but so it's going to be definitive with an asterisk. The asterisk being your version. Please now to tell us about rice, everything you know. Go. I think there's different... There's different ways. There's some in the patties and the, and the wetness. There's some on the side of the hills. Like, you could have a steep hill, and it goes sideways. So it is conceivable that that guy was telling the truth. If it does grow on the sides of things or if it grows upward or something, it is possible that you would have a, a strain of rice maybe that was sort of growing that you would have to reach for because it could be above you. Yeah. There's, like, if like this wall right here. Yeah. Like you could put a slight tilt like this, and right. you could actually grow it. So as long side. as it, so if it, if it's an incline at all. Uh-huh. The rice could actually grow on a hill above you. Uh-huh. Plus, the Asians are really short, and if they're in the field, the rice is above them because they're down there with their little hats. And then, like, if you look up, the rice is above their head because they're down in the swamp. I guess it is relative. It is all relative to one's height. They're I only four feet tall, and they're three feet into the into the mud. Do they wear hip boots? <laughs> uh, no, they're, I think they're wearing thongs. I don't. Not the type. Around your waist. Oh. Are these your sexy? <laughs> are these your sexy webcams? <laughs> I'm, I'm totally not. I'm totally not. I think you say that about one of your own kind, <laughs> Richie. <laughs> I got bleeped. Oh. <laughs> no, it was funny. I just had to bleep. Um, that's only because that's one of those things that if somebody flipping by and they'll just hear that phrase oh. on the way to the on the way to like a god station. Oh, so, man. so have you seen this now? Is that to? Is I don't even know. I guess it must be a massive part of of the. Of the economy, though, in a lot yeah. of Asian oh, countries. Everywhere you go, you look, and there's like a field. And some They have shrimp fields. It's just a field, and it's all water. 
but they're growing it's like a shrimp, shrimp farm. Yeah, they're growing shrimp. Weird. Right it's, next to the it's rice. strange when you do. I guess it, I guess it's no different like trout farms here. Like I know there's. I've talked to people about about the trout farms and and fish farms that they have here, and people are sort of confused. They don't really get it, and I have to sort of explain the deal. So yeah. interesting. But, but the rice that they grow here is way different than they grow there. I mean, because we have technology and they got machinery and right. We have an understanding, the education of well, agriculture it, over there. They, they have communism. Gonna, <laughs> yeah, they just got like here's a field red and, rice. You know, let's do it this way. And All right. Excellent. So All it right. could be different ways. Thank you, Richie. Um, we're going to move on from these, these other rice callers here. Okay. Thank you. Hi, <laughs> It's amazing how interesting rice is. <laughs> Who knew? Why don't you delve into the realm of rice? Who knew we could get like, like 12 minutes out of that? Richie's Asian, by the way. Here's Tim Riley. A Newark, New Jersey cab driver has received a city medallion after returning a $4 million violin that was left in the back of his cab by a mistake. This was a 1725 Antonio Stradivari. It was left in the cab by a Grammy-nominated violinist after landing at Newark Airport. The driver, Mohammed Khalil, says he was just doing a job when he returned it. It kind of feels like you're in a war zone. You know, and I don't want to feel that way. That is definitely the wrong soundbite. I don't understand. That was for Rice Wars, that was, right? That was the, the, what was the cab driver's name? Mohammed Khalil, and this is exactly what's indicated as... You should play it again. All right. It kind of feels like you're in a war zone, you know, and I don't want to feel that way. How long do you think the alligator is? It's huge. Well, how long is huge? I don't know. I only saw the first half of it, and that had to be at least three feet. Okay. So I don't know what to say. (laughs) I have no... I don't know. Well, how long is huge? I don't know. I only saw... The first half okay. of it, and that had to be at least three feet. And I, because it was behind the freezer, and I just disappeared. Are you sure it couldn't be like a, a iguana or a really large? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> All right. Well, I guess we'll hear from the cab driver another day. <laughs> Let's try this one. It kind of feels like no. you're <laughs> You know, and I don't want to feel that okay, way. How long do you think the alligator is? Right? It's huge. Well, there'll be, <laughs> you know, there comes a time to give up and realize you've done the very best you can with what you're given to work with. We're cutting the line now. There will be no radioactive waste from Italy if Utah Governor John Huntsman has anything to do with it. He has directed the state's representative on the Northwest Interstate Low-Level Waste Compact to vote against a proposal at a meeting. Apparently, uh, Huntsman feels strongly that there'll be no low-level waste at the facility in Tolley County. Oh, that's Tooele. Tooele. It isn't spelled that way. Yeah, no, it's spelled T-O-O-L-E. Yeah. Yeah, Tooele. Tooele County. Apparently, the Italians want to bury their atomic waste in Utah. Really? Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't... really has always felt very strongly that Utah should not be the world's dumping ground, and I think that it's critical to understand this next move and ensuring that we're not host to, to foreign waste. So, <laughs> I mean, I, mean, <laughs> I uh, it's Italian waste. Wasty, go home. I don't, uh, I, I don't this care is, about Utah, first of all, but I mean, this is Italian nuclear waste. They don't know what to do with it, so they want to send it to Utah. Isn't there? It sounded logical to someone. Doesn't Italy have their own Idaho that you could just stick this in? No, Italy's just a boot. There's no other room. But I mean, Europe, doesn't Europe have some country no one cares about that they can just jam everything? Russia. 
I mean, well, that's the thing. Who would possibly who would know? Who's there to stop them? And don't you picture the Russian border at this point is just a bunch of blown over fences and like mm-hmm. one guy who's just there checking his watch? Yep. That's the whole thing. Uh, the, let's see. Uh, good friend Todd, the corpse weighs in, says, like I said, a whole segment about the uh, oh, I'm sorry, a whole hour about the rice shortage yesterday. Says he, did? It's a, he apparently he said how it's a big scam. How do you mean? No one is heeding his warnings. Oh, um, what did you think I said? <laughs> oh, no. Um, you're thinking so. Well, you're all the time. You're so you're saying that no one is. Well, because like you got hey, speed right there. You're a pessimist. I'm sorry. Finger off the dumb button. You right. use like three. Sorry. Don't take any callers. Well, I don't really. I mean, I don't know. I mean, because it, because everybody just watches the news. Where there's Nobody a klax- watches the news. Where, well, you watch the news where there's a klaxon going off. Um, that was funny. <laughs> and where it says rice wars or whatever, and it's all going gauga in the background. So, <laughs> and lights are flashing. I don't really know. Anyway, he says, but he says also, I have no idea how rice is grown. It's like sesame seeds. I thought seeds. we already covered this. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 but no, but no, we're plunging on like Groundhog Day. No. I thought you already had like our definitive no. with an asterisk. No, but I'm getting to the second half of this where he says, he says, also, I have no idea how rice is grown. It's like sesame seeds. He says, we eat seeds, but what the hell is a sesame plant? Don't call about this. Let me urge you now not to call. I'm just saying. And then he says, and then he says, what do they grow into? Can you buy if. He says, if there are sesame seeds, can you buy a full-grown sesame? <laughs> Which I don't really know. All right. Tim Riley, I'm sorry. It's all twitchy today. Well, is that something that you'd like to answer? I thought you meant something else earlier, by the way. No. <laughs> That's your own paranoia. No, it is, too. You know, but can't you see how that, how in my paranoid head? That's, that's, that's how that sounded. All right, here's Tim Riley. <laughs> a driver is being treated at St. John's County Hospital in Jacksonville, Florida, after his truck overturned, spilling jello all over the I-95. The driver's truck flipped over this morning after jamming into another truck. Jello splattered all over the highway, causing a massive traffic jam. The driver was trapped inside the mangled truck that was underneath some jello, but he was quickly rescued by police. He was airlifted to the hospital. He has non-life-threatening injuries. Jello, I'm right here. Come and help me. Nobody else was hurt. I'm sorry. A Mount Vernon, Ohio school board has ordered an independent investigation into charges that a religious 8th grade science teacher used an electric chunk device to burn crosses into the arms of his public school students. <laughs> John Freshwater is also said to have neglected the school board-approved curriculum in favor of teaching lessons from a Bible displayed on his desk. Parents have allegedly abused child say they don't hold Freshwater's beliefs against him. We are religious people, said a fax media release. But we were offended by Mr. Freshwater burning a cross into the arm of our child. <laughs> don't you think that would go without saying? Don't you think that would just be assumed? We find that this is an inappropriate... And by the way, final word on this. Apparently, Lycus's deal is that he says there is no rice shortage in the United States. He says there are shortages elsewhere in the world, but all the rice hoarders are doing is driving up the price of rice. He said the United States, as a matter of fact, produces more rice than we eat. He said we actually grow so much rice here that we export it to other places in the world because we ourselves cannot consume all the rice we make. So there you go. So it is it is once again foolish Americans. Uh, being uh, duped into uh, into whatever. But you know what? The klaxon sounds so great in the morning news, yeah. they're just going to keep on using it. Mm-hmm. All right, here's uh, Tim Riley. These have stolen vacuum cleaners from a gas station in East Palatka. 
I don't even know where that is. Florida. Oh, of course. I'm sorry. I should have just known. Vacuum cleaner. I at, barely knew her. At, at Buddy's Country Corner, both with K's. <laughs> of course. And he's Palatka. Some cable, so, cables are all that's left of two vacuum cleaners. Early Wednesday morning, thieves ripped the devices right out of the ground. <laughs> the video shows two men pulling up to uh, in a maroon pickup, tying the vacuum cleaner to the truck and taking <laughs> off, dragging the vacuum cleaner on the ground. That's so great. I guess they couldn't find any more teeth around. <laughs> you can see the truck pulling up. The vacuum cleaner is still energized. Then you see the sparks, and I'm like, holy cow. <laughs> Three minutes after the first vacuum cleaner heist, the video shows the thieves coming back for the second vacuum cleaner. Again, they chain it to a maroon truck, rip it out of the ground, and drag it behind the truck. On a dirt road less than a mile away, investigators found the dump vacuum cleaner. They were in pieces, and $400 in coin was gone. Well, almost. Oh. Oh, for, it's for the... I thought one it was One coin just... was found in the dirt next to one of the machines, so it wasn't a clean sweep. Now, these vacuum cleaners are worth $13,000. <laughs> First of all, let's just take the, all the various pieces of this. Do you think this is from East Palatka at Buddy's Country Store? <laughs> like my people there even know what a vacuum cleaner is, really. What's the magical sucking thing over there? It looks I don't like know. a robot. The kids will like it. <laughs> take your soul away. Um, do you suppose when the guy says there was a quarter left over, so there wasn't a clean sweep? Do you suppose that was an intended pun, but they didn't really know how to write well enough to make it work? I suppose also, so. The irony of these hicks who are stealing a $13,000 vacuum cleaner, but really for the, the $75 worth of quarters inside is all they take. Because my first thought was that it's like everything, where they'd stolen it to sell the money. So they planned this. This is premeditated. Doesn't Some thought went into this, and he's pull out good. Don't you have a chain? I mean, that's really it. And you're totally right. When it's, They were probably busy trying to pry the gold out of someone's mouth, and he woke you up. You know, and... we ought to go over to Buddy's Country Corner, and he's pull out good tonight. <laughs> Have you heard that Onion news that's running about about um, about the uh, bunch of uh, bunch of hillbilly nobodies? Oh, it's fantastic, sir. Can you um in there? Can you bring up uh? It's a Onion uh O four, I think is what it is. Yeah. Uh, this is uh we won't we're not breaking quite yet, but I, I you will appreciate the writing in this particular Onion uh here. It's a, this is a, this is one that I think just got just got loaded in yesterday because they they get new ones every week. So I think the Onion Radio News mornings and I think this is the right one from AM nine seventy. Heroin addiction is picked up. No, it's got to be number one then. Find another one. It's got it's got amuse me. It's got to be A Onion zero one, I believe. So this is a this. Is this usually played after the robot? Um, yes, that has no soul. <laughs> the robot hands it off to Doyle. Best <laughs> Somebody sent me a long email yesterday speculating that Blade Runner style, you hated the robot because deep inside you've begun to suspect that you are in fact a robot, Tim. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, see if this is it. It's the Onion Radio News. A bunch of hick nobodies sue for toxic waste exposure. This is Doyle Redland reporting. A bunch of local pissant nobodies filed a lawsuit today charging the Allegheny Electric Cooperative with exposing them to dangerous toxic waste. 
Toothless semi-literate Rube Earl Wiggins spoke for his fellow unemployed and highly contaminated bumpkins. You can see all that stuff they dump out in the power plant right in the water. It ain't nothing like that mercury I've been driving since I was 12. Allegheny Electric spokesman Thomas Gill, however, speculated on how many pigs the Hicks must have had to trade to pool their resources together and buy themselves a big city lawyer. Doyle Redland for the Onion Radio News. Toothless illiterate Rube Earl Wiggins. Oh, I, man, I can tell you, I heard that yesterday, and I truly did laugh out loud. I, I did, too. That was the one after uh, the news bot this morning, oh, and man. I laughed. I lol <laughs> Toothless illiterate Rube Earl Wiggins spoke for his fellow bumpkins. God damn, that's funny. All right. All right. Excellent. It's the kind of humor that a robot can't provide. Uh, should we do one more and then break, Sarah Dillon? That sounds like a plan, Richard. All right, coming up, Dorothy Carson, Sari. Uh, oh, we should probably break, actually, now. So let's break now yeah. so we don't get behind. Come back. Dorothy Carson, Sari. Uh, Tim Riley with more news. Jim Roop. Uh, all of that coming up later on. Charlie Murphy, again. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. It's the Rick Emerson Show. Don't go anywhere. Why, hello, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Richie Bristol, will you uh, obtain Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer for us? Thank you. This guy says, Rick, do you realize that Terry from Vietnam thinks he's eating rice whenever he has a bowl of grapes in front of him? Anyway. 503-733-2970. Dorothy Carcassari joining us here in just few. Let's see. The hell else? Jim Roop coming Charlie up. Murphy. Oh, yeah. Whatever you say. That's your story. <laughs> you know, at this point, I'm not even going to... At this point, I have so little invested in the Charlie Murphy thing. that I mean, if it, 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 you know, maybe it'll go well, maybe it won't. Doesn't matter. I've, uh, Do you solve all your questions from yesterday? Um, oh, wow. I don't know that I do. I think I might have gotten rid of all of them. Wait, hold on a second. Let me see. Did I keep any of my Charlie Murphy? Well, that would be... That'd be the best thing ever. I, did, I think I did. I, threw the, I think I threw them all away. I don't think I. And I don't think I consciously did it. Like I don't think I said I won't need these. I think I was just sort of getting rid of things at the end of the day, as I often do. I have a whole post-show ritual. I really have a ritual for everything, but I have a post-show ritual. And I think I had torn those out and had them on a separate piece of legal paper. And I, at the end of the program, one of the things I do is I save. This is more than anybody cares about. I save every day's show matrix for the next day, and then I move things forward we didn't get to, but any other pieces of my legal pad that have writing on them, I carefully take out and I wad into a ball and I and I throw them away. Um, and so I think I threw away all my Charlie uh, Murphy questions, but I have most of them committed to memory, I, to, to be fair. I think Tim's cackle, which is poorly hidden right now, indicates that he doesn't perhaps believe that I have, uh, I have it under control. No, I believe you. Okay. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how this goes. Is this Dorothy Carcassari, Richie Bristol? Uh, right here on hold because we have Rube coming up here in just a moment as well. So I want to make sure there's no uh, there's no train wreck of any kind because that would be this is now stuff I'm just saying to kill time while Richie figures out who this is. I say, continuing to talk, filling the air, making time go by, whiling away the precious moments. <laughs> Come on, Richie. And now there's nobody there. Well, this is confusing, isn't it? Did you type anything on your screen? No. Hmm. What do you suppose is happening there? Dead air. I can take. <laughs> I can take this random caller. Hi, Let's you're on the. That. You're on the Rick Emerson show. Random caller. Amuse us now. Okay, so we're gonna do Dorothy and then. Okay. This uh, is very confusing. Hello, random caller. How are you? 
Hello. Well, great. Thanks so much. <laughs> I appreciate it. Swimmingly. You know how we can make a, you know how we can make Dorothy Carcassari call us immediately. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. They're all concerned about the rice shortage. Man, what happens when there's no other food around? Well, it's going to happen soon. One Arizona couple has carloads of tips to share with Americans on how to save money during this terrible economy. Annette and Steve say they use warlike tactics in order to eat for pennies. Look at the food ads in your area. Every tactics. part of the country has food ads that come out once a week, and those will show you the items that are on sale. And if you plan your menu around what's on sale, it's like winning the lottery. You really? know, if you dine out every night, it gets too expensive. The first thing folks in America need to do yes, is really. cook at home. It's much easier than you think. And if you plan your menu around the items that are on sale at the grocery store, you can be eating for pennies on the dollar. Did she really say that she and her husband prepare their meals using warlike tactics? Yes, they do. This is war. Do they put that on, sounds like a fun household. Do they put on Zulu paint and then go pillage the house next door? It's easy to eat for pennies. It's Give us your Fritos! We aren't shopping, we're hunting. If there's an unadvertised special, I'll talk to a net I'll say, look, I just found a bunch of eggs really inexpensively. Well, how many more do you want us to get? It saves me walking all over the store. I do the outside loop, the dairy, the produce, and the meat, and she does the inner aisles. Honey, let's put a disproportionate amount of interest into our shopping to detract ourselves from our sexless marriage. I'm sorry. I mean, that's, I'm I saying know, satirically speaking. They, they sold these sound bites to Metro Source, so they're doing something right. Wow. Your shopping tips on being broadcast nationwide. I just I <laughs> know that's true. Well, they really well, aren't. Well, actually, they are online. My shopping tips? Well, all our shopping tips are online because we have streaming. Uh, that is true. Internet. Sarah Wagner, Sarah Wagner, Sarah Wagner, who is uh, one of our fine AEs uh, and voice talent in some of our wonderful commercials. Uh, I think she has finished one. I think she just did as well. She loves to help out. Uh, Would you she... like a birthday blast? We'll send Sarah over to sell you one. <laughs> Okay, that sounds weird. <laughs> Which one? And don't say Sarah's selling birthday blasts. <laughs> and, then, and then she'll come over to sell you one. Sarah, <laughs> Sarah, if you want a birthday blast, Sarah will come over and sell it to you. <laughs> for real well, our cheap. digital sales contest is now underway. Sarah looking for generous man. Um, so, what was I saying? Uh, so, but, but Sarah Wagner had come down, and I, I came in like uh, halfway through the conversation, and. All I heard was you asking Sarah, so what do you sell here? <laughs> and she... Well, I was naturally curious. <laughs> I mean, in addition to this very fine radio program um, and uh, all of the other offerings here at CBS Radio. And she had said that there's, they have the online uh, sales package. Yes. And you, you sort of, I think, were not altogether clear about what that meant. So she brought down this thing. Is it true that we will actually... Is it true that according to this sheet, and it must be true, it has the CBS logo on it, that for... For the right amount of money, we will actually use the station's resources to wish someone a happy birthday. Does it really say that? Yes, and, and much <laughs> much thrippier than using kink. Oh, well, I mean, kink is, uh, they are kink. They are mecca. They, they are the gold standard. Kink. So we have e-blast for sale, microsites, keywords, streaming spots, pre-rolls, side channel. Oh, we don't have that yet. We, we don't want it anyway. What about our uh, HD channel, Tim? Uh, streaming sponsorships, and we sell old-fashioned air. Okay. For those who still like that sort and of thing. And birthday greetings. Birthday blasts. <laughs> a birthday blast. A birthday blast sounds like some sort of hazing punishment. <laughs> Sarah Wagner will tell you how. <laughs> Never mind. I'm not going to say what I was about to say. All right, this is either Dorothy or James Roop joining us here. I'm now, okay, it is Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer joining us today. Hello, Dorothy, how are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you? 
Uh, I am. Uh, I'm fantastic. It's been. Uh, it's been a an action-packed, jam-filled show. Has it? Wait, not a jam-filled show. Jam-packed, <laughs> <laughs> action-filled. I'm full of marmalade right now, Dorothy. Um, all right. Wow, Jesus. All right, let's just plunge on ahead and uh, forgive that. Um, so I'm looking at the cover of the new Inquirer, and this is the best sort of cover because it's. I'm looking at nationalinquirer.com, and I can see some of the stuff, but the picture is actually small enough that I can't see other Ooh. things. It's, it's a it's a guess who's on the cover game. Exactly. So let me ask you about the thing I can see. Uh, it says and in and each word is bigger than the preceding word. So it sort of leaps off the page and says Obama marriage explodes. <laughs> so please now to tell me. Obama marriage explodes. You're right. This is our cover story this week, and uh, it seems that Barack and his wife Michelle uh, got into a big argument when she confronted him about cheating. So it seems like there are some things going on behind the scenes that the public doesn't really know about. Now, uh, Although now they do know. <laughs> now, now too, now too, and I know that uh, you don't want to get, give away the story here, but so what do you mean uh, confronted him about cheating? Can you tell me what that means? Oh, you're always wanting me to tell you the whole story, just, aren't you? <laughs> you can just tantalize a little more if you would like. Just dangle a little, a little something for us. Well, there are some skeletons in his closet, and... Michelle found out about some of them, and she spoke to him about them in a very heated argument. She actually was so enraged that she threatened to leave his side on the campaign trail. That's fantastic. I'm going to walk across the street, like, after the show today. Or, no, I guess tomorrow and buy it. Uh, um, <laughs> excellent. Okay, now here's the other thing. I'm looking at the cover of this of the, of the new issue, which comes out tomorrow, the new Inquirer, and it says, this is the, I was telling Sarah about this during the break. I can read part of it, but not all of it. It says... Uh, two stars boozing out of control, but then I can't see either of the photos. Let's uh, let's see. Who do you think? Who do you think at least one of them is? Okay, now this is just speculation because we do not know, of course. And so, as as uh, uh, in our position as pundits and uh, entertainers, this would simply be our speculation for which we have no grounds. Okay. Sarah, who do you think these two stars are that are boozing out of control? Oh, two of them? Well, or just need to guess at one. Well, yeah, you can guess two if you'd like. Okay, uh, Lindsay Lohan. No. See, she seems too obvious to me. That would seem like not front-page news at And Tara reads too, like she's been drinking for... Like, who would be front-page news? I'm guessing one of them is an Olsen twin. Ooh, that was a good guess. But no, you know, actually, this is kind of a hard game to play because <laughs> there are so many celebrities frequently boozing out of control that there's so <laughs> many to choose from. Is this true? Okay, so I, I, I give up. I give up. Can you give us one of them? Okay, Nicole Richie. Really? Is one of them. Uh-oh. And what it says, I, don't, I guess you can't see what it says. No. Nicole Richie, Joel's, Joel's battle. Joel is in Joel Madden. Yes. Uh, Joel's battle to save her. While Joel is away, new mom goes wild. Excellent. Fantastic. See, I had already. Here's I got this whole ritual. Who's watching the baby? I mean, she seems like it seems like she's always out and about. Well, and isn't she both? I mean, I hate to be uh, to, to discuss things that uh, I mean, but she. I read somewhere that she's trying to do the whole natural breastfeeding thing. You can't just be boozing all wildly if you're going to do that. Oh, that's a really good point. I mean, but she has been seen out drinking multiple glasses of wine. Uh, and we have, you know, all the details from Excellent. from a friend of hers. Um, and before we uh, before we wrap things up, have you seen uh, the film Paparazzi, starring Cole Hauser and featuring appearances by Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson? No, I have not. Let me tell you first of all, Sarah. Is it my biography? <laughs> the, the, I, have, I have to tell you, Sarah Dillon is the producer here and a connoisseur of movies, both good and bad. She came in with this DVD that she bought. I swear to you, for two dollars, and she said, "Hey, you got to see this. It's the worst movie ever made." <sighs> 
It was produced. <laughs> you have to see it. You have to see it. It came from Mel Gibson's production company, Icon Films. He has a fleeting cameo. Vince Vaughn, Chris Rock, some other guys with with bad small cameos. And it is all about Tom Sizemore, Daniel Baldwin, and some other guy who play, you know, paparazzi. And it's about one star who's had enough and finally takes his revenge. And let me tell you, you got to see it because it's awful. It's awful. It sounds terrible. And it's great just to see it because, you know, Mel Gibson put money into it, and it was just money down a rat hole. So if you ever get a chance... Uh, paparazzi, produced by Mel Gibson, starring Cole Hauser. Thank you. I was looking for something to do one weekend night this weekend. Never, never say Rick Emerson doesn't give back, Dorothy. <laughs> All right, we'll uh, we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. As always, a pleasure. Thank Great. you. Thanks a lot, Dorothy Carcassari from the National Enquirer. I love that. That was a really good interview today. Yeah. No, it's well, you know, it's always good when there's something I can really, and I think I figured out the deal with her because. I, you obviously don't want to give away anything, but you can't say nothing. So I think we found the right balance with her, where she'll sort of dangle a little something. And then, uh, and then, you know, of course, now I have to go like buy the rest of it, which I will. And I have this whole, uh, you know, on Sundays, or rather on a, on you know Friday, Saturday, uh, I'll hit Safeway or whatever at the weekend, and I'm I'm unashamed. I buy it right there. Here's Tim Riley. Forty thousand worms are aiding the PCC recycling effort. A massive worms are feasting on six hundred fifty-five pounds of waste for the Portland Community College's Rock Creek Cafeteria. It's part of a new recycling program. Worms, 40,000 of them, are creating a nutrient-rich compost that will be used in the campus's organic learning garden. And to complete the cycle, the garden produces food for the cafeteria food service program so they can, yes, go eat some worms. When you uh, when you said uh, a, a massive worms for a minute, I thought you just said massive worms. And I said this image of huge snake-like earthworms. They may be. I don't know how big they are. Entirely possible. Uh, let's see here. Um, this one just says... Um, I thought that woman said that she was shopping using warlock tactics. Uh, let's see. What are we doing here? Um, okay. Oh, this is, is this James Roop? Let me check the screen. All right. Let's now welcome to the Rick Emerson radio program from Los Angeles. CNN Radio correspondent to the stars, Jim Roop. Hello, brother. Good afternoon. How's life? Sorry for the scheduling snafu today. It's okay. Hey, did you see all this scandal? Uh, that uh, and by scandal I mean a thing that Drudge decided to run on his front page and make into a story. There's apparently some some controversy happening over the 30 Rock show using uh, using the phrase MILF on the air. Uh, I've not heard that. There's some parents group who's all you know some tight ass group of parents who's all angry that they're saying the word MILF when I was which is interesting when you consider the fact that I was watching Mash the other day and they said snafu. So anyway, just a thing I think about. Let's talk television, my friend. Yes. So what is it? So this is the first. This is the first post-strike sweeps week. Is that the deal? Uh, sweeps period. Sweeps yeah. period. I'm sorry. It's not a week anymore. No, it's four weeks. You know, the, the interesting thing is a whole year's worth of advertising comes down to 16 weeks of TV viewing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have these four rating periods that are four weeks each, and uh, hopefully the networks get the eyeballs they need to to set the advertising rates the way they want to. So what is the general consensus, that uh, that people have come back have not come back, have come back well, in lesser numbers? I mean, do we know? know? They won't know yet. I mean, this is – what's different about this particular ratings period is that this is the May sweeps where traditionally all the season finales happen, all the cliffhangers happen, you know, so this is where everybody usually tunes in. This is when, you know, who shot JR thing happened. Right. Uh, uh, friends, uh, Ross said Rachel's name at his wedding, and all this weird crap happens, and you go, "Oh my God, I gotta wait six months until I see what happens." Right. You know, so hopefully everybody will tune in. It's when they they uh, 
front load all their shows with uh, stars and sex and everything else they need to get eyeballs. You know, it's interesting that somebody like Sarah is a big fan of Lost. And so on Friday, you know, we, we, she does the Lost recap and whatever. And a show like Lost is, I'm not going to say it's uh, strike-proof or, or bulletproof, but it, a show like Lost, you figure, will probably have a better-than-even chance of getting back most, if not all, of its audience because it is a serial. It, it's, a, it's a show that is a continuing story and whatever. The real test of how this writer's strike affected the viewing audience, in my opinion, will be for shows that don't have a through line. Do you know yeah, what like I mean? sitcoms or something. Yeah, shows yeah. that are just sort of standalone episodes, you know, because that's going to be the test of however long... Because how long is it now? I mean, it's just it's been a few months since the writer's strike went away, but it, it does sort of seem like a lot of the snap and sizzle in television just didn't come back. Well, everybody thought that during the strike that was the end of the TV season. You know, I mean, that no one really... Every, while everyone hoped, no one thought they would have a cliffhanger season or a May sweep. Right. You know, the February sweeps, I mean, everybody got killed except for Fox because Fox had the Super Bowl and American Idol. Right. You know, everybody else died on the vine. Double-digit dips in, in viewing for everybody from NBC on down. Or everyone migrated to cable in the hopes of seeing something they've never seen before, you know. Uh, even if it's a cooking show, for Christ's sake. It is worth noting uh, that during the writer's strike, I continued to watch television uh, network television in many cases that was still new to me. The, the, the strike impacted me almost not at all because during the strike I watched both seasons of Dexter. Mm -hmm. During the strike I watched the first two seasons of Friday Night Lights which is out on DVD which is a, a, an NBC program. That's a great show. Um, yeah, during the strike I started I watched started watching Deadwood on HBO. Uh, none of these were reruns as such. In other words, they're both recent shows and in some cases current shows new to me. Uh, and it was—it really was as though the strike wasn't even happening, uh, you know, in my world in a lot of ways. Well, that's true for a lot of people, and that's what angered the writers. They're going, man, the TV seasons are so convoluted now because there are so many channels and so many networks, cable versus broadcast, uh, that no one has the, you know, September through May thing anymore. You know, there are, like, uh, what was it, uh, The Sopranos would always come right. in right around this time and start their new season. You know, so it's it, it, it's very, very strange. And so a lot of people didn't miss anything. Well, and I can't even tell. I mean, here's the other thing. I can't even tell in some cases how much damage the strike did because, for example, Battlestar Galactica is being split in half this year. But a lot of the shows were doing that anyway. Like Lost was already doing The Sopranos was already doing that. Mm -hmm. I don't even know when the hell The Shield's coming back, but they were screwing me by taking a year between seasons anyway. So I just, it. you are right that as this, the, the writers in some ways, were forced into doing this strike because they were getting shafted, but it was a bad time in television history for them to do it because uh, the viewing habits were not on their side in many ways. Yeah, so. and th there's just too much choice out yep. there. All right, brother. Are you on tomorrow? Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, until then, have a satisfying... What's the weather like? Cause it's miserable here. Oh, it's uh, 75 and sunny. Thanks so much. You know, every time I ask you, it's 75 and sunny. And well, I'm telling you, it's the truth. I know. No, I'm just, I do. I do. And every time uh, you tell me that, I always picture you right across from Hollywood High by the in and out So, <laughs> all right, brother. Beautiful. Enjoy your day. We'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. James Rook. Here's Tim Riley at the Ministry of Truth. Well, you may have noticed a lot of kids are on the office today. I haven't. No. It is Take Your Kid to Work Day. The event was started as a career day for kids, but health experts say it's a good time to share what you do with your son or daughter. Whether you're a doctor or a street sweeper, it's a good day to bring the kids along. I think it gives kids a chance to see what their parents actually do during the day, and it's an extra opportunity for kids and parents to spend time together. And to end all of their sentences on an upward inflection so you sound like a goddamn retard? 
That's Dr. Margot Richards oh, of the I'm Cleveland sorry. Clinic. That's a doctor? <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? Mm-hmm. She's a... Um, no, I can't do She's it right because I'm... a doctor at the Cleveland Clinic. Ick? Ick. All right. So today is... Take the kids to work day. Have you seen any children here today? No. Who has children in here? Um, well, I mean, you know, sometimes like when, when school is out or there's a thing, like Susan brings um, uh, her younger daughter in sometimes. But oh, yeah. I don't think... She was handing out copies of the CBS magazine. The you last know, can I tell you, she's on it, And that's the last it, issue of the CBS magazine I've seen in here. Oh, no, no, no. I got a new one. Oh, you do? Here. Uh, it's funny you should mention that. Just today, Tim, a new copy of Watch, the CBS magazine. It looks like it's been changed to what? <laughs> W-A-T. And it has two sides, Rick. Yes, it does. Here's Watch CBS Sports side. On the other half. Here, Tim. Oh, is that for both men and women? There you go. There you go. Fantastic. Now, let's see here. Oh, by the way, uh, it's a good thing to take your kids to school and show them you're cool. One-on-one time oh, for kids and parents is hugely important, especially in an age where kids are busy with after-school activities and homework and parents are busy with work schedules that are unpredictable. Even, you know, ten minutes of taking a walk together. Ten minutes. After school, what do they just... Parents and kids a chance to reconnect. Do they just give diplomas out if you get in the, like, the right number of box tops or something now? I suppose. Oh, they're attracting big sponsors in CBS Magazine, like Porsche, a two-page ad. So this is kind of depressing. It's like Porsche and, like, these fancy Mercedes expensive Benz. sunglasses. It's like, we work in radio. You know we can't afford this crap. <laughs> well, it's not for you, Sarah. Oh, it's true. Uh, the uh, who uh, else is in here? I haven't seen any children here today, though. That is interesting. Well, oh, yeah, well, let's go upstairs there. and look for some. Let's I'm... hunt down the children. If there are any children in the building, please come down here and see <laughs> Uncle Rick. <laughs> Uncle today, Rick has candy for you. <laughs> we're going to be hunting down the children. <laughs> he has the best candy. I have the conch. All right. Let's break, shall Our we? superstar is born, Carrie Underwood. Ugh. Carrie Underwood is on the cover of every uh, CBS thing that comes out every month. She is? There's somebody, yeah, there's somebody getting paid on that because she's on the cover of everything. We're not mentioned in this issue. No. Maybe next time, Tim. All right. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe when we win a Clio Award for uh, some of our advertising. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson Radio Program. Charlie Murphy allegedly next. Are you ready? I have to be really careful, though, because then I just sound like an old guy. I don't understand the kids and their ICP. They're juggaloing. Uh, all right, it's 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. Let's see. Rick, did you know that lady who's talking about take your kids to work today sounds exactly like the Miss South Carolina girl who uh, answered the question about the Iraq and such as? That is true. All right, so I'm looking out the phone. Richie Bristol endeavoring... Uh, what, really? What? Oh, I'm sorry. Maybe that was... Okay. No, no, no. Here we go. All right. Just checking. No, no, no. I was uh, I was reading the screen. It was an outdated note. It's uh, <laughs> it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Let's now welcome uh, to the Rick Emerson radio program at long last, uh, having weathered all uh, all sorts of hurdles to, to finally get together here, uh, we now welcome Charlie Murphy to the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello, sir. How are you? What's going on, man? Hello. Thank you. I'm glad you finally made it in. I know that there was a... And first of all, let me just say, uh, I hope your your kid is doing better. There was some small, a small injury in the Murphy household. Yeah, but everything's much better now. All right. Excellent. So uh, for for people who uh, maybe don't know, you're going to be coming to town, Baghdad, on the 27th, uh, tickets at Ticketmaster. So for people who haven't seen you in person, they've seen you on TV, they've seen you in the movies, whatever, uh, what do... What should people expect when they go to see a Charlie Murphy show? Well, 
course, we're going to be saying stuff you can't say on TV. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, they, I can, they can expect to have a great time, expect to laugh. One of the things I say about my show, and I'm not saying it in a bragging way, I'm saying it through humility, is that we've gotten a chance to you know, travel extensively throughout the country and throughout Canada. We've been to uh, Sweden. We're going to go back over there to Sweden, going to London. And I would like to think that you don't get to go to all these nice places unless you're doing something right, you know? Do you find that, I mean, when you are out there and you're in front of crowds, you're doing stand-up or whatever, is it, I mean, do the, do the crowds come and they're, uh, is it a respectful crowd or is it, because I know that, like, Chappelle at one point was getting to where he would he couldn't do appearances anymore because people would want to shout stuff out from the show or they would just sort of be yelling out stuff they wanted him to do. Do you find that it's that way a little bit with you because of your association? Uh, there may be a couple of people that show up like that, but um, they calm down. The way my show is structured, you know, we give the, we we give them all that right up front. So if you're gonna do all the screaming, the chatting, man, man, and all that, that's all. The way my show is done, you get a chance to do all that, and then it's done. There's no reason to keep screaming it out. You know, people pay money to come see a show, so you know, for most for the most part, audiences allow me to do a show. We're talking um, to. We've had, I'm sorry. Go ahead. There's been there's been some drunk people in the past that had to be thrown out, but. We're talking to Charlie Murphy. He's going to be the Baghdad on the, 20, the 27th. And you did also, uh, you worked with Aaron Magruder on, what, is it both seasons of the Boondocks? I still work with Aaron Magruder on the Boondocks. Are they going to be doing, is that coming back for a third season? Yep, I just finished taping some stuff recently. It's, um, I mean. We that, got another Boondocks coming for you. And there is, there's nothing quite like that show on television. I know it's out on DVD right now, but that, the Boondocks is well, great. I'm glad to be a part of it. And then you've done so much stuff uh, that maybe people wouldn't expect from you because you did the Boondocks, and then you were in... Did you do some Star Trek thing with for G4? Yeah. <laughs> I played Spock. Is that is that true? You played... So now, are you... And I don't really know this because I'm not like the world's biggest Star Trek fan. Were you the first black Vulcan? Are you breaking new first ground there? First black Vulcan. First black Vulcan. You know what? I'm also the first brother to play... Uh, uh, Frankenstein. <laughs> I did Frankenstein on Chappelle show, Excellent. and I, did, I got another film I did called uh, Frankenhood, where I played Doctor Frankenstein. Frankenhood, and then well, and then uh, on the on the monster that so you did Frankenhood, and then you were also somebody told me this, and I wasn't sure. Were you one of the writers on was it Vampire in Brooklyn? Was that the movie? Vampire in Brooklyn and Norbit. And Norbit. Norbit, it's, I actually have, uh, I have Norbit at home on DVD, and I was just watching it a couple weeks ago, actually, and I was talking to my producer, Sarah, about it. Uh, looking back, do you feel like Norbit got a bad rap? Do you feel like it got a fair shake with the public? Uh, yeah, the public liked it. You think that, because I, I don't, I don't consider, you know, you know, with critics, they serve their purpose, for, but, uh, I don't, they don't, to me, they don't represent the public. They represent their opinion. So you feel I mean, like who, who you say, you know what I'm saying? They represent their individual opinion. So, you know, the people that can Norbert were critics. And so you, know? you feel like the critics liked it, but then, on, you know, once it hit DVD, the people really found it and embraced it. The people spoke, exactly. Excellent. You know, I'll give it to you like this. Uh, Dreamgirls was critically acclaimed, right? Yes, absolutely. And it was a good film. Yes. Don't get me wrong, it was a great film. But Norbert made more money. Is that true? That's true. Check it out. No, I'm make more money. Man. I'm going to look that up. We're talking to Charlie Murphy. He's going to be look the Baghdad on the 27th Ticketmaster. Uh, before we go, first of all, do you have a, is it uh, just uh, charliemurphy.com? You have a website? charliemurphycomedy.com. It tells you all my dates, 
where I'm going and what I'm getting ready to do. Yep. Excellent. All right, my friend. Well, I'm glad we finally connected here on the show. Uh, have a great show. Best of continued success to you personally and professionally. You my guys friend. are going to come, right? Yes, absolutely, sir. We will that's absolutely. Right, that's what's up. All right. Make thank sure you. you come see me in the dressing room. Let's talk. <laughs> it will do. All right, it. All right Charlie Murphy. Okay. Thank you, my friend. There you go, Richie. You want to talk to Charlie Murphy there on the? the... Wow. This is when I believe that we should have a webcam because I think people would have enjoyed our silent interaction there. Okay. But let's just not say anything yet. So just stare here uncomfortably <sighs> at the. Uh... Let's see. Yes. Was... Ah. Mm. Do you have any music you can play or something? Oh, that is huge. Four I don't know. I only yeah. saw the first half okay. of it, and that had to be at least three feet. All right. Uh, hi. Okay. He's gone. Oh, sweet Lord wow. Almighty. Jesus. You know, that was so, what was he doing halfway through? Did you hear him opening the door? It was and like, like a screen door slamming and in the background. And then walking down a hall, then opening another door. And I don't mean, I'm not going to be knocking his, uh, you know. I'm, I told you not to say that. <laughs> what? About Norbit? No, and you're just like, do you think it got a bad rap? You I'm did like, not tell me not I to totally say that. I totally did, you because I'm like, you know what? Because in his that. mind, he doesn't think that it was a bad movie. I told you this. You never told me not I to totally say that. I totally I wrote you. it down and you nodded your head approvingly <laughs> no, earlier. No, I'm like, don't say that it has a bad rap because then that means that you're assuming that, that he thinks What did that you want bad. me to say about Norbit? What was your suggestion? That I should have said, how do you feel about it? Yeah, just say... Well, um, that's even worse, No, though. you should have totally brought up the fact that it was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh, no, that's true. No, I should Instead have done that. Instead of saying you got a bad rap. You worked on the Academy Awards nominated Norbit. Yes. Well, but I thought, you know what it is? Here's the thing. In my own defense... Yeah. Well, that went swimmingly. Shut up! We need to get Kyle Gass on again. So, Craig <laughs> Gass. No, Kyle Gass. No, that's what I'm Craig saying. Craig Gass. Okay. Oh, God. So, what's it like being an extra? Um, so, in my own defense, when I brought up Norbit that way and I said, do you feel like it got a bad rap? I th Here's what was going through my head when I phrased it that way. Wow. Is I thought that, A, it would give him a chance to address the critics, which he did, clearly. Because, I mean, look, it got, it got a terrible rap. It has like a 4% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But it made more money than Dreamgirls, Rick. Okay? Look it up. Look it up. Check that. Um, I thought that by saying, do you feel if it got a bad rap, it would allow him to, t to address the critics and to... But at the same time, I thought it would make it sound like we were in his corner on it, though. You know what I mean? Because I... Because I, I prefaced her saying, hey, I have it on DVD, was watching it a couple weeks ago. Do you feel like it got a bad rap? I felt that they would make me sound like we were on no. his side against the man. That guy, you could hear his ego. Listen to him. He's just like, <laughs> I don't think that you get to go to Sweden if you're, if you're doing something wrong. There's nothing in his mind that makes him think that he's ever done anything wrong. I'm just saying. <laughs> I can write... tell that type. I know that type. He is that type. He, he did co-write Vampire in Brooklyn. <laughs> and Frank and, what was it? Frankenhood. Frankenhood. I don't believe he was the first black Frankenstein. I don't know that the, I can't say who might, the other one might have been. Something in my head indicates that there might have been a black Frankenstein before him. Maybe I'm thinking of Blackula. All right. Well, whatever. All right. I got the spot question in for Aaron. I don't really know that we got an answer. It was just sort of a, yeah, I did that. All right. Wow. I didn't call him Eddie. Let's just take our small victory. You know what? I'm really glad that I didn't put that in your head anymore because that was awkward enough. Had that was sufficiently bad. If I had called him Eddie, that oh. would have gone poorly. That would have been bad. And why in God's name would he want us to come to the show? So we can go backstage and see what's up. I think that would, I mean, that was his answer. I think I am. <laughs> I think. <laughs> you know, I'm almost tempted to. I think that was, in fact, his word for word answer. Y'all got to come backstage 
and see what's up. See, I think this point would, would uh, should have been when Richie was in here filming us because people can't tell how we're because commu- Rick and I are communicating the whole time. Because we're not, but, we're all in the same, we're in the same room. So Sarah and I. And I'm like jumping up and down, spazzing out, and Rick's like uh, flailing his arms. And it used to be in studios past we could talk to each other on our headphones like this, but we can't do that in the same room. So it's all eye contact and body language, and at moments me pulling away from the telephone like in horror as as, as it became clear that the Norbit question was ill-planned. I wish they could see how we were behaving during the interview, though. That was was quite something. This, this email says, Rick... Do you feel your interview with Charlie Murphy got a bad rap? <laughs> was it underrated? Do you feel the critics just didn't understand your interview, but the public loved it? All right. Thank you. Thanks so oh, much. I love people. <laughs> uh, wow. The, can you give the legal? KCMD Portland. I don't know if it's That's right. what's up. <laughs> Jesus. At what point did you know it was going I knew it immediately. <laughs> Especially when you started talking over him, I'm like, oh, Well, because God. I couldn't, okay. He would he'd take a huge Lycus pause and then just keep talking. That's my thing. I'm not... Uh, I'm not saying it's a bad interview as such. I'm saying I couldn't tell when one sentence, he was all ellipses. I mean, it was all, there were no periods in there. It was all. I, th- I think if you never interjected, he, it would just be one long sentence. Uh, which I, maybe might have been the, the way to do it, really, in retrospect. Yeah, there were no, I couldn't tell when a sentence, and so he'd go, blah, 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 that's what's up. And I'd say, so anyway, and another thing about <laughs> being spot. Yeah, uh, I'm just, I, no, no, no. I don't, yeah, he, I, either I was the stain or he was. I couldn't really tell. One of us was was being one of us was the interviewer one and one was, was the talking stain. That really is the story of my life. One one of us in that interview uh, was the tide stain. I'm I'm not really sure which one it was. I think it was me. I think it was. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway. So do you think Norman got a bad got a bad rap? <laughs> you know I'm gonna take these questions. <laughs> yeah, I worked on the boondocks with that it and with Aaron Magruder with I was Spock. <laughs> I'm gonna throw God, these away. 12. These are my uh, Charlie Murphy questions that I painstakingly rewrote. <laughs> you did from not. Yesterday. I read them off to you from my. <laughs> I'm throwing these away. <laughs> Damn you. So tomorrow, can we have Charlie Murphy on? Yeah, I think we should just say that every day from now on. Coming up today, Charlie Murphy. I think every day should be Charlie Murphy Day. God, it took so long to get that <laughs> interview. Three days. No, not to mention, <laughs> I have weeks. exchanged like 400 emails with his publicist. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Well, it seems like this one, I'm just extra super glad that it's the Rick Emerson show. Where <laughs> <laughs> I can just sit here with my microphone off and laugh. So he's not writing down worst interview ever. Sarah Dillon was host. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. What are we uh, What are we doing here? Oh, this is, okay, somebody that uh, he, I'm thinking of uh, Blackenstein is the movie. Aaron, uh, or I'm sorry, not Aram, Aram, uh, one of our uh, many knowledgeable film friends, says he is thinking of Blackenstein. Rick, so we'll see you Sunday night at the Baghdad Theater, huh? Says this email. Well done. It was everything I hoped for and more. Genius. All right. Um, so, it, A, we had talked about going upstairs to look for children. I want to hunt children. I mean, hug children. Hug, hunt. Um, hunt. <laughs> um, so I do don't want to hug them. And then we got, uh, we'll do the Insta poll about my beard later. Uh, and then we have uh, Tim Riley coming up. Uh, oh, and James is going to come in and do a top five with us. We have time today. So, so do, do, what do we want to do now, Sarah? 
I'm going to sit here and recuperate. You take, take a second. Why don't we do an Insta poll? That'd be easy. Do you not have the popcorn song anymore? I don't. You know, it's one of those things that I lost when they upgraded my computer. I just got to get it again. I can probably find it. Hold on. I can find it probably in like 30 seconds. Give me a second. Wow. All right. Let's see here. I don't think this is the version we've been using. This is less techno-y, I think. But this will do for now. This is not the same version we've been using. Uh, this was a different. This is a different version. Of, I think this might be the original version. Uh, am I up over there? All right. Yep, yep. No, that's what that's, is that? That's, that's not the right song. Hold on, let me try it one more time. Yeah, the, the the version of popcorn that we were playing, I think, is. A, damn it! No, that's really not it. Um. Well, let me try it one more time. Hold on. Let me do one more thing here. This is really just so we can. Let's do a couple. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, man. Charlie Murphy. Wow. <laughs> About that interview, I would just like to say best interview ever and carrot who? <laughs> Thanks so much. Okay, bye. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson radio program. Hello. Is this me? Yes, it is. Rick, I was going to check in with you yesterday on the beard thing, but I had to hang up. Um, um, yeah. Dude, have you ever tried electric? And has anybody mentioned electric razors? Oh, you're talking about the, uh, uh, the, uh, as opposed to shaving with a blade or some sort of gel or something. Exactly. The Norelco, not to mention drop names, of Shave Master 4000. I've had one for 12 years. The thing is fantastic. Rechargeable. It gets it as close as you need to get. You look like a decent man when you go to the office, and it's quick and it's easy, and I know you're going to do the beard thing now, but, or give it a try anyway. But by the way, the beard thing, you're going to spend more time clipping and shaving and trimming so you don't look like Indiana Jones on a bad day. All right. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. All right. Uh, let's see here. I realize I'm spending a disproportionate amount of time trying to find the popcorn song now, but now it's become like a whole, now it's become like a whole quest. Yeah, give me like, give me like 30 seconds here and okay. I think we'll, I think we'll find it. Yeah. Do you mean to play a song? Uh, it's, it's, I can't believe... I can't believe I don't have uh, the actual popcorn song here in some version. I'm really glad that we took the time to figure out what to do with this space. <laughs> That's the, this is the sort of work that this is the sort of pre-planning that people expect from well, us. Well, Tim's here. Maybe he. Tim, can you? Tim, do you, do you, do you want to sing the popcorn song for us? Oh, that was what I was saying. Hold on, let me see if this is. What are we looking for? No, it's the popcorn song, but I can't find it. All right, I'm going to try one more. I'm going to try one more place, and then we'll give up. Speaking of giving up, that's always my favorite part. When we give up, when we just when we realize the whole gesture is futile, and we decide just to just to plunge on ahead with something else. Hello, hi, Rick Emerson Show. Who this? Hey, it is Paul. How can I help you, sir? Um, that was Hot Butter, the one you were just playing, the Hot Butter version of Popcorn. Was that the version? I didn't no, think but it's... it's not the one you guys play. And I also wanted to ask which one. I've always wanted to know, and I've never bothered to look it up, which one you guys always played. We but I prefer the Hot Butter version so it, much more. See, I'm trying to find it right now. That version that we started to play, was that the original Hot Butter version? Yeah, it's from the 70s. All right, hold on. Well, let me... Then let me uh, I mean... Well then, let me let That's me look. Let me because it didn't sound, it didn't sound like the the version that I kind of grew up listening to. Which, by the way, itself is not the version we play. We play a techno version that somebody sent us, and yeah. I don't think we even know the artist. Hold on, let me bring it back. Let me bring it back one time for the people. Oh yeah, play that. Hold, hold on a second. Let me. We'll get this. To, this. 
Oh, this is it. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye. All right. So this is the original version. See how it's kind of a calliope sounding? Uh, and also not buffering. Where did it go? <laughs> oh, it's, it's not buffering. I'm trying to play it on the fly here. All right. What were we doing? Instapult. So here's the question. I like this one. Is, this is the original version. This was a hit. Uh, I remember it when I was little. We use sort of a techno version. See, it's kind of crazy. Oh, no. My version's playing here. Oh, no. that's. I'm, I'm watching the live concert version. <laughs> really? The live version? <laughs> the live version sounds so much different, Tim. Wait, now what happened? I guess my pot's down. All right. Well, oh, no, which I... version are we supposed to... It was just giving me a headache. I'll just play both this. Of you. <laughs> okay, I'll just play this. All right, so here's the Instapol. So Dave Zinn came by my office yesterday and weighed in for like five minutes trying to tell me that I should quit shaving for three weeks and grow a beard. And Dave's, Dave's whole claim is that at the end of... Th because I hate shaving so much. This way, I'd only have to shave my jawline and the neck. And his claim is... That at three weeks, you know if you can grow a beard or not. He's like, if you don't have a beard at three weeks, you're never going to have it. If you have one at three weeks, you'll know whether you like it. And he also pointed out, so today is Thursday. So the listener party is four weeks from today. Is that true? Or three Thursdays from today? Oh, God. Well, it's, three. Either, three or, it's either three or four weeks. But the thing is, I could shave the beard the day before if I didn't like it. That's exactly it. You don't need to commit to it forever. All right. It's not a lifetime commitment. So uh, we're going to take a little poll here. So should I, in fact, as of now, quit shaving? Yeah. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Yeah, she'll look even scarier. Five <laughs> Thanks. 503-733-2970. 503-733-2970. We're now going to do a little Insta-poll. Uh, the question is, uh, should or should not I quit shaving as of today and endeavor to grow a beard? 503-733-2970 for that Insta-poll right here on the Rick Emerson radio program. I haven't heard this version all the way through. This in, version like, is really magical. Forever. I used to have this on vinyl somewhere. Doesn't it seem like a sort of... We came out in 72. Sarah's doing the Age of Aquarius <laughs> dance. That's totally what it is. It does have that kind of when everything was kind of unicorns and rainbows. It is. I'm seeing unicorns and rainbows in my head right now. Totally. This is like as you're hanging, hanging a map of Middle Earth up in your dorm room wall. It's kind of freaking me out. There are the people. All right, here we go. Rick Emerson Instapol. The question is, should I stop shaving and try to grow a beard? Hello, hi. Beard. All right, thank you. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Beard. What? Beard. Is this a beard bot? Yes. Wait, it is a beard bot. Wait. Wait, hold on. Hello there. Hi. How are you? Good. <laughs> okay, it doesn't really work quite as well when I can hear the fingers typing in the background. Should I think I, that makes it better. You feel I ought to grow a beard? Yes. Why? Because... <laughs> okay, thank you. What? Oh, that hurt. That's back. <laughs> Bye. All right. So that's uh, a yes. Hi. Uh, okay. There you go. Resume popcorn. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm resuming popcorn. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Should I be growing a beard? Grow the beard. All You'll right. know. Three weeks. All right. It gets stretchy and itchy and bothers you. All right. Thank you. I you promise to wash your beard. You're on the... Oh, I hadn't thought about that. you got to do you that, too. You have to too. shampoo it. Yeah, and I get dry skin, too. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. No beard. No beard. Ew, uh, and don't get food in it, either. Thanks. Like Mr. Twit. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Beard? Beard, yes. All right. Thank you. Oh, no. 
What? what? Uh, the question. Yeah. Yes. Uh, sure. I don't, I don't care what you do. Then why are you calling? <laughs> why did you take the time to call the show? You put it on hold. I called to tell you I don't care, beard or not. I still love you. Oh. All right. Thank you. We love you, too. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hey, you got to grow it for eight to ten weeks before you decide. <laughs> All right. Thanks. I don't know what that vote was. Hi. You're on the Rick Emerson Show. No beard. What are you, a hippie? You're going to wear a patchouli, too? I you can bead the end of it. <laughs> I don't. Uh, <laughs> seriously, I'll just get one big dreadlock at the end of my beard. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Hello. Court's not a hippie. He has a beard. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Beard or no? Hello, you're on the radio. You were on the radio. This is a beard. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Yes, beard. All right, thank you. All right. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson show. Beard or not? Beard, 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 beard. All right, thank you. Rick, to, to beard, beard or, or not, not to beard. beard? Oh, my God, we are dorks. I need to throw something. We can't have the same stupid thought at the same We time. spend too much time together. I think so. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Who cares? All right. Uh, hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You enough to call. Hey, Rick. To beard or not to beard? Beer. Beard. And rice only grows three feet tall. What? And rice only grows three feet tall. All right, thank you. never grow above your eyes. Okay. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Uh, should I be growing a beard or not? Be a man. Grow the beard. All right. Thank you. We'll do one more back, and I'll be done here. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. How do you feel about this version of popcorn? I like it. You think we ought to replace the old version with this? I can find the old version. Well, think on it. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Beard or not? Beard. All right. Thank you. I think I know where we're going. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. I say beard only because I don't think you can last three weeks. It'll itch like hell. You think I'll, I'll break down and get rid of it? You will break down. You'll, you'll wimp out. The other question is, I wouldn't know how to trim a beard. Like, I don't know how you keep it from becoming like a big Father Murphy beard. All right. Two more. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. Hello. Hello. Hi. Rick, it's like the classic uh, class song. Yes. Should I shave or should I grow? <laughs> and if, what you is... shave, if you shave, there will be stubble. If you don't, it will be double. <laughs> okay, so this is additionally funny because it's also accurate. Everything you said is actually true. Well done, sir. That's very good. But what is go your answer? The, go for the beard. All right. Final Thanks. call. Thank you. That was really good. Hi, you're on the Rick Emerson Show. You already have a beard. Her name is Laura. We already had this we joke. Had joke. It was yesterday. All right. We already had a caller who was witty. He was not you. That made me laugh for like five minutes. It did. Uh, all right, so there you go. So uh, a single nay vote. Oh, I'm sorry, two nay votes. Uh, one from a woman, though, so it carries double, but that's still only three. Uh, so uh, the listeners have voted strongly in, front, in favor of beard. So uh, starting tomorrow, I will not be shaving. I will not be shaving. I will be endeavoring well, starting to grow today. a beard. Will well, you yeah, shave I mean, this morning? I mean, the last time I shaved, this morning, last time, uh, and so forth. So uh, so I will now give it uh, three weeks or until right, but, you know, the day before the party, which it, whichever, you know. Like, I don't know. I, I can't remember figure out if it's three weeks until the party or four. But three weeks, unless that makes it the party day. three weeks. Because it's the 24th, the 24th, and last Thursday and it was... Three weeks. Jesus. Three weeks from today. All right. So, I won't make it a full three weeks, but in like a day or two before the party, I will assess. Maybe I won't reveal my choice, though. Now I'll reveal my choice. <laughs> it's so, like, it's really not that big of a deal. Keep it a secret. Oh, my God. Is Rick going to keep this beer? we got to go now. All right, back after this. Tim Riley, have you news for us? Oh, yeah. Back after this. Don't go anywhere. It's the Rick Emerson Show. It's the Rick Emerson radio program. 
This person says, you know, Lara's a super delegate in terms of the beard vote. That's true. She's not available. She's busy watching a Top Chef marathon. Uh, also, this person says, Rick, why don't you just get some bitchin' Hasidic side locks? <laughs> That's fantastic. Just get the full-on, like, uh, the full-on, like, earlocks that come down. That'll be righteous. Ladies and gentlemen, at the Ministry of Truth. And now, from the Ministry of Truth, this is Tim Riley. Everything's okay in the town of Cornelius today. After several hundred residents were ordered to stay inside their homes and locked their windows and doors yesterday, this happened after a little incident at the Sheraton Manufacturing Company. Apparently, a machine caught fire and started giving off gas. The machine's operator was taken to the hospital after he started bleeding profusely from the nose and mouth. Ugh. But the old clear was given a little bit later, and everything is fine now. I don't understand, and I don't even really know that I'm asking to have it explained. What causes you to bleed from places like that? Apparently, the gas being given off from this laser machine. But I mean, a laser machine doesn't even sound like a real thing. It doesn't. What is this? It's a laser death ray. It, like, when people are like, Andy was bleeding from the eyes. I mean, like, unless someone just stabs you in the eyes with an ice pick, mm -hmm. that bleeding from the eyes, nose, mouth, ears, whatever, that seems to not only require an injury, but also for your blood to begin flowing backward. Doesn't it seem like that, that sort of requires that everything in your body starts going in reverse somehow? I'm not a doctor, you Oh, understand. I guess so. Yes, I, I'm not a licensed physician, so... Like water drains the opposite way in Antarctica? Some sort of... Yeah, oh, the, no, that's Argentina. Oh, no, that's Australia. It's like a... It's like a, it's like a uh, you know, phlebitis-based Coriolis system, yes. An open casting call is being held for Family Circle Magazine's second annual Mother and Daughter Search. It's going on in Portland Saturday. Uh, they're looking for mothers with daughters. Uh, let's see here. Isn't everybody. With daughters eight and older, but the moms oh. have to be at least 21. Oh, that's not the... I'm sorry, I was thinking of something You'll else. You'll get a, a trip to New York City. And, uh, to the big town. Yeah, $30, <laughs> New York City. In a five-year modeling career. Once again, this is for girls eight and older, and the moms have to be at least 21. Oh, I thought this was... What magazine is this? Family Circle. Oh, I thought this was from, for some sort of uh, some sort of older person's magazine. I it thought this was Family Circle for no, older person. No, I didn't hear you say Family Circle. I all thought I, you were saying Family Circus. All I, the Family <laughs> Circus mother and daughter search. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy's just a little too old. Isn't her name Buffy? What's the girl's name in the family circus? Oh, I don't know. Penny? Jeffy and... Oh, that was Penny. Zippy? No, Penny is uh, somebody else. Okay. I didn't hear that was family... I didn't hear that was a family circle. I thought it was perhaps some sort of men's magazine. No, no. <laughs> okay, never mind then. I retract the previous this comments. This is eight-year-old girls. <laughs> that was 21-year-old moms. Okay, so not... Not 21. So not a men's magazine. No. Rick Emerson... Reader, I would imagine. Rick Emerson regrets the error. Alicia Keys has canceled her Cleveland concert. Apparently, she has swollen vocal cords. Uh, she uh, does intend to uh, perform in Columbus Saturday night for all you folks out there. You can also get a refund if you don't want to wait around. Wait, for who's canceled what? Cleveland? Alicia Keys has canceled her Cleveland concert. Does anybody know anybody who's a, like an Alicia Keys fan at this point? Well, I guess her, her doctor is because she has swollen vocal cords. All right. Well, okay. she's yeah, and she just came out with a new album, and I know that. Remember, she performed halftime at the Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. I already forgot about that. She's on the cover of uh, on the cover of Blender this month, looking unbelievably airbrushed. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it doesn't even. It, I mean, it doesn't even look like her. No. All right. Well, that's it for now because I think we have uh, honored guests to bring in here. All right, you'll be counting down a top mm -hmm. five in mere moments, Tim. I am. Unless you prefer not to. Oh, no, I'd love to. Would you prefer to vacate the studio? No, I'll, I understand. I'll, I'll stay here and count. I know how sometimes the stench of humanity sickens you. True. <laughs> all right. But I love uh, counting down countdowns. You love counting things. Yes. Um, all right, Richie Bristol, can we welcome uh, 
Dennis Pittenbarger and uh, James to the studio. That would be fantastic if we could do that. Uh, in the meantime, uh, what is this call here? This is a thing about what causes you to bleed from the eyes. You know, no, I don't think, uh, I think we're going to pass on that. Let's welcome now to the Rick Emerson Show our good friend uh, Dennis Pittsburgh from Miles Around. Hello, sir. Hello, how you doing? I'm uh, Dandy. By the way, I'm not going to be joining your network of whatever to reunite with long-lost high school pals, FM. Uh, oh, you mean the LinkedIn thing? The thing that says, respected classmates are waiting to find you. Oh, no. First of just... all, they're not. Nor am I waiting to find them. I don't. Well, if I need to find you, I'll just go to my old office that has a window. I don't like understand mine. when you say when you say let's join this business networking. I work five feet away from you. Okay. Well, Why do I join? Need to join a thing online so we can be networked. What it is? Really, I could throw something from my office and hit you. So. <laughs> Well, I'm sure that you could behind your locked, closed door and your beautiful window to the beautiful landscape that uh, is Portland, Oregon. Honestly, it is. I'm still a little bitter over the fact that you had to complain about not having a window. But you're too busy looking out the window to answer some website anyway. I am <laughs> too busy enjoying my private office, Dennis. Oh. I didn't complain about not oh. having a window. You're a dick. I, didn't, I did not ask them to kick Dennis out of his office. We used to be at the coin tower. Is this like awkward for you guys? Or no, no, it was just not like, awkward you know, for me. I have an office. He, yeah, he didn't. You know, it really wasn't a matter of who asked. I mean, really, I didn't ask them to kick out. I had no idea what they were doing. We moved from the coin tower to here, and I said, "Where's my office going to be?" And that was about the same time they said, "Hey, Dennis, look at that pile over there. Yeah. That's where your stuff is they, now." They, uh, the, um, they, um, uh, they just said, uh, they said. They said they're kicking me out. That's what I they just, said. Yeah, I just, they moved over here and I just said, I said, where is my office going to be? And the next thing I knew, they had kicked you out and given me your office. I did not ask them to do that. And now you have a beautiful view of a dumpster and homeless people. Yes, yeah. it is true. <laughs> By the way, can I tell you this? I did actually pretty recently. Um, I, I guess it was actually some time ago, but I was in Susan's office, uh, which, which has multiple. Susan's office. Susan ha Reynolds, if you want to really know, like, who the power brokers, uh, you know, place, Susan has the biggest office in the building. And I think has the biggest office in the entire CBS Radio Portland cluster. I think. I mean, I'm, I would have to get, a, like, a, like, a yardstick or whatever to be sure. But I think Susan has the biggest office in the building. I, um, I, out of the multiple offices I've been kicked out of, uh, my, neither one was uh, that big. She has multiple windows. So I was at the window at one point in Susan's office looking down at the parking lot, and I did see a homeless guy staggering into the parking lot. Now, Lacey Turner's coming in. There are now 45 people in this. Let's welcome now. I got kicked out of my office, too. What was your office? My office was where your minions are now. Who are my minions? Richie now. Oh, minion. Yeah. Uh, wait, so Richie's in your former office? Yeah, the office that I settled in and fixed up, and you know, I, I mean, didn't we ask were just, for that to happen it was, either. It was a bloodbath around here. Actually, I what I when, I, when I we I took met, this what, studio from Fat and Boy, and then we and took the studio from Court and Fat Boy. This was there. That's right, because when I first started working here, Lacey was in that little office over there, and I said, "Come down here and meet this beautiful office that used to be Court and Fat Boy's place." Let me there. understand this. So when we came over, they actually kicked four different people out of rooms to make space for us. Don't nope. let it go to your head. Well, that's as it should be. <laughs> I didn't ask them to do any of that. Sorry, Lacey. Um, well, okay. Eventually, we get kicked out of our spots, too. I was just going to say. Exactly. <laughs> All of our old offices are now occupied by other people. Say, they gave my office to Gavin. So, uh, or well, whatever. And then they gave that office to someone else. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it is just musical chairs. Jesus. All right. Uh, well, well I, got two, I got two major uh, media corporations down in Oregon. So, I only got one more, and then I got to move. So, actually. Well, what's, well, you and James are actually both in here. James is going to be doing his... 
Yeah, let James do the top five if you want. I mean, or we can talk about Miles. Oh, right? good I got, Lord. I got hold, tons to talk hold about. On, you know bro, hold on. Director of Engineering Brian Jones has yeah. now walked into the... That, 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 that doesn't okay. work. Everybody that stop talking. Work. That mic doesn't work. Oh, well, good. Then I Matt came right. in and fixed it on, like... Yesterday, it doesn't well, seem you what, fixed. You can have my microphone because I'm done speaking. <laughs> <laughs> ladies, ladies and gentlemen, Tim Riley, <laughs> Great, greatest newsman in the history of the world, who's had enough of all of us. I, I would just like to say that just because you squat somewhere does not mean you get to call it your office. <laughs> <laughs> to whom is that being directed? Everyone in this a, room. Right, just a general comment <laughs> for, for the betterment of everyone in this room or anybody listening. Oh, we're making well, friends left and right. Well, I was going to say, let, if, you, if, if everybody looks around the room, there's only one person in here that has an office. So I know who that's directed that's to. Brian has an office. Uh, oh, I've never been to your office. Do you, how long have you had your office? Yeah, we got radio stations in three buildings. I'm a vagrant. Yeah. Oh. All right. <laughs> Bye, Tim. Bye, Rick. <laughs> uh, you, do you feel like you're losing control? I never had any kind of. Do we? Is this microphone actually fixed? No, he. No. Let's see. Matt came in and checked the level. Oh, he did fix it. Yes. All right. It it was uh, the problem was it was unplugged. Okay. So should we get Tim back? Well, we unplugged it because it wasn't working at one point. No, 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 we're good. All right. So you don't need the engineering department to come in and fix it. No, I think it has been fixed. All right, we were not privy to that. All right, thank you, Uh, and thank you, Matt, if you are listening. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Let's see you recoil this show back on track. Let's get Charlie Murphy back on the phone. Hi, Sarah. How are you doing over there? Why don't we get our last break out of the way and reset? Let's do that now. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back after this. Talk a little bit about Miles Around. Uh, James is going to be counted on top five underrated guitarists. Yes? Yes. All right. Back after this, it's the Rick Emerson radio program. Go nowhere. We now enter the... Saddest part of the broadcast today, the final segment of the Rick Emerson Show. This is now our final email today from Todd the Corpse, who is purveyor. Todd, k- kudos to Todd today. He has sent in the most hilarious emails today. Todd sent a lot of great emails during the show, and some of them we get to and some of them we don't. This one just says, about that family circle contest. Did you notice the family circle call for mothers and daughters stipulated the daughters must be 8 years old and the mothers need be 21? Parsing that sentence, it seems like they're okay with a 13-year-old girl having a daughter. What sort of contest is this exactly? Well observed, sir. All right, Dennis Pitzenbarger, Miles Around, uh, James, who also was on the program, and then you guys got Big Jim uh, uh, from KUFO on there. We are very uh, graced with his pleasure. What's going to be happening this weekend? Presents the, uh, or pleasure? Here. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? We were. Don't mind me. I'm just uh, <laughs> over here running a radio show. What's going to be? Uh, what will people hear when they tune in this weekend to Miles Around, airing nine to eleven? Uh, well, we'll have Car Wars. It's actually going to be the Port Chop Express from Big Trouble in Little China versus the Maximum Overdrive Semi. Excellent. Uh, then we'll be doing uh, the, the one with the goblin on the front of it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, Coke machines spitting out cans of Coke at a deadly velocity. Uh, we will have uh, Appetite for Deception in studio doing a little bit of stuff going for really. The, yeah, we're those gonna guys have, are fantastic. They are a great band. They're going to be doing a show down at Dante, so they're going to come in do a little promo, uh, a little on-air musical with us. Uh, I think the uh, the contest is to see who can drink the most night train 
between the band while they're in studio. Now, let me tell you, the drinking night train in the studio ends badly. We've, uh, yes. We've been down that road a time or two on this program, and that doesn't ever lead anywhere good. I know. We usually pass the Thunderbird, uh, the Thunderbird bottle that is still lurking in the fridge over there at least once. Somebody, for the love of God, needs to drink that box of wine, too, because it's just fermenting uh, away. Ryan's right. taking care of that. Yeah, he, he comes by every Before Saturday morning as well. All right. uh, but we got that, and uh, we'll be doing, they'll be doing actually a top five because they wanted something to do about rock and roll songs for cars, and that might be the perfect rate. And, of course, we'll be primping for uh, the races next week, and I actually have another shot at going racing. So that, Warriors of the Dirt, their stuff's on tonight at the Dixie. All these promos because it is, it's a silly season for car lovers. But uh, that might be a way to segue into uh, James's reason. Ladies and gentlemen, let's do the top five. five. And don't forget, by the way, uh, joining us in studio tomorrow performing a couple songs, Jonathan Colton. Uh, should be listening for that. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your top five. Dennis? Uh, they were once hailed as gods among musicians. They held us mesmerized with their fantastic fretboard ferocity. Now the art of the guitar has shed all but the legends sung by the wandering bands of the old. We all know them as great and who praise them as the mightiest axe slingers of all. But now those have been ignored, shunned, and cast out. Here are some of guitar's noblest who have been forgotten. These are the top five underrated guitarists of uh, all time. Honorable mention going to uh, Vivian Campbell. Vivian Campbell, who played in like every single 80s band ever. He's, uh, he started his career with uh, a band called Sweet Savage after he, uh, leaving school at like 15. Uh, moving on to Dio, he's been with Def Leppard like 16 years now. Damn, really? Has it been that long? Yeah. He was uh, in Whitesnake, I think, for a while, He was in too. Whitesnake. He replaced uh, John Sykes. And uh, he was in a band with uh, foreigners Lou Graham called the River Dogs. Well, he's one of those... He's, he's kind of mellowed through the years. I mean, he started with that whole new wave of British heavy metal, and right. he's kind of... Vivian Campbell's one of those guys that you don't realize how many things he's played on. Yeah. Until you look at the list, and he's one of those session guys like... Anton Fig or one of those guys who just played on everything. And like you the, look, the you Apiece go, oh, I recognize brothers. that, I recognize that, I recognize oh, that. Right. Excellent. Top five uh, underrated guitar players of all time. Uh, number five coming in, Steve Stevens. Is this a guitar right here, this little thing here at the beginning? This is, this is a guitar. It's basically just tapping the pick straight onto the strings. Interesting. Steve Stevens, who, um, and then got a, a really high-profile gig playing, I think he played the lead on Dirty Diana from Michael yeah, Jackson. Dirty Diana also played with uh, Vince Neil on the Exposed album. Oh, that's right. You're Little invited, but fact. your friend can't come. Little yeah. known fact, the, uh, the end of this song and in Dirty Diana, you know that weird effect that he does <laughs> on it? Yeah. That's actually a toy ray gun. Really? Yeah. He yep. hooked it up to a pitch shifter, and, and it's just a ray gun. It's not even the guitar. That's the, I dig stuff like that. It's like uh, I, I, when, when you hear something and you think it's some exotic kind of guitar playing. and It's like at the beginning of Hopper Teacher, which I always thought was percussion, and it's just a motorcycle. It's the idling of a See, motorcycle. I thought, it, I thought it was like a double bass drum played nope. and then replayed right it over. It is the idling of a motorcycle slowed down and looped. Top five underrated guitarists of all time. Coming in at number four, it's Paul Gilbert. See, everyone knows this guy from Mr. Big. Yeah. So no one really realizes he's he was in a band called Racer X, and the guy can shred. Is it the guy that played with the, the, the electric drills. drill? Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty good gimmick. I remember seeing him playing guitar with an electric drill one time and being kind of impressed. Nobody really ever thought to do that. 
he's actually the, one of the only musicians, maybe even the only musician who actually has a uh, drill endorsement. Is that true? Makita Drills from Japan. Good for him. I don't think I've ever heard this song. This is a, a song called uh, King of Monsters off of Racer X's Superheroes album. Wow. Dragon Force presents... Jesus. This is really good. Counted on the top five underrated guitarists. Coming in at number three, it's Gary Hoey. I used to have to play this. Is this Hocus Pocus? This is Hocus Pocus. I used to have to play this song all the time when I was a rock jock. I didn't realize until I, I looked on YouTube, the original one where he does that cool little guitar riff, that's yeah. actually yodeling. Really? Yeah. It's kind of trippy to listen to. This guy's done music for ESPN and uh, Fox Sports. I haven't heard this song forever. It's been forever since I've heard this. You know, the, t the era is really over when you can be some instrumental guitar player and get played on the radio. It really Those is. Those days are gone. For better and worse, there are no more instrumental hits. I'll probably get beat with a bag of nickels for saying this, but for the longest time, I thought this was Joe Satriani. Well, everybody thinks that's Joe Satriani. Just like every Weird Al song, every novelty song, people think it's Weird Al. Yeah. Counted on the top five underrated guitarists. Coming in at number two, it's Jake E. Lee. This is one of my all-time favorite guitar players. So he was in Badlands? Badlands. He was actually in Dio before Vivian Campbell. I didn't know that. Yeah. So this is, uh, of course, Ozzy. This is from uh, Bark at the Moon. His first album with Ozzy. And he was on Ultimate Sin, too, right? Yeah. The two albums he did, um, he competed against 500 guitarists around the world for that Ozzy slot. Well, replacing Randy Rhodes. Yeah. Tall order. And he and it, he's one of those guys that because he replaced Randy Rhodes, that's why he's overlooked. Yeah. Because you can't fill in. It's like whoever replaced Keith Moon, you know. Yeah. yeah who if, can replace that guy? If Zach Wilde were to ever leave, whoever, like Joe Holmes, be so oh, over. They had that guy Joe Holmes for like five minutes. Be so overshadowed. Yeah. All right, the number one underrated guitar. I agree with this. Underrated guitarist of all time. The one and only, the one man who can rock the uh, buttless chaps, Prince. People don't really appreciate Maybe they do now, but I think maybe back in the day they didn't it's, appreciate it. His guitar playing is really, really overlooked by his style and his, his the fact that he's more of a pop musician. And people paid so much attention to the lyrics and his keyboard work and his sort of his outrageous antics and, and everything and his persona but he's a, he's an amazing guitarist the, the the entire purple rain album is probably one of his best as far as guitar playing i think that's the thing that people were reminded of again when he did that super bowl thing yeah where he really was like look at this yeah he's a, he's really stunning when he, he's one of those guys that can just do anything lock yeah, the guy well, in a room with a recording device and he can make a whole album himself he does all his albums are completely himself and the musicians that he gets to play on stage are just guys he hired hands out. yeah well done thank you rick emerson approves all right miles around this coming saturday 9 to 11 uh featuring among other things the appetite for deception guys are gonna be in the studio. yeah it's gonna be fun it'll be us uh jim and i and of course big jim from and the a Marvel. bottle of night train and a bottle of night train if you guys will have to come by i mean why not start drinking at 9 a.m 
To whom are you speaking? Uh, to anyone that's listening. <laughs> anyone that would like to bang on the back door of the CBS building here. Please on the... listen to our show. Everyone is apparently invited. All right. Uh, it's 503-733-2970. Uh, thank you all kindly. We want to thank CNN Radio correspondents Bob Costantini and James Roop, as well as Dorothy Carcassari and Charlie Murphy. Join us tomorrow when our guests will include Jonathan Colton uh, in studio. Rick Emerson, show produced today and every day by the lovely and talented Sarah X. Dillon for AM970, Solid State Radio in the newsroom. Tim Riley on the phones. Richard Bristol, the gatekeepers. Dave Zinn, director of engineering, Brian Jones. Our webmistress is Bridget from upstairs. And, of course, CBS Radio marketing guru, owner of the largest office in the cluster, Susan. Don't F with me, Reynolds. Uh, like us next. Like us 101 at 5 o'clock. Michael Mara's show at 7. See you for the recap at 10 and the show at 11. Uh, until then, thank you for listening. And uh, don't let the bastards grind it down. I'm huge. Bye now. How long do you think the alligator is? It's huge.